previously on Martini John. They annoyed me. I, I found them. I found them irritating, even when I was young. I was like, "Those little rascals." I don't like these guys. <laughs> little sons of bitches. <laughs> what if they remade it? <laughs> they called it "Little Sons of Bitches." <laughs> little assholes. <laughs> the little shits tonight. <laughs> Welcome back, Martin Giant fans. This is episode number 60, which is Rollerball from 1975, directed by Norman Jewison. This is the 1975 version with James Caan, not the bad remake that was made in the early 2000s. And we did this because we were inspired by Mr. James Caan, who liked one of our tweets on Twitter. So we say, ah, oh, we got to honor him and do an episode with James Caan film. We all picked Rollerball because it's a lot of fun. It's a sci-fi film. It's a sports film. It's a strange film. Really cool. It's available on Amazon, not as a streaming, uh, uh, normal streaming, but it would be a rental on Amazon and highly recommend it. A lot of fun. We, of course, recorded this on Twitch, which we've been mentioning for the last few times uh, how we're doing that. We do all of our Twitch streams on Saturday, uh, usually uh, at 3 p.m. And if we're not recording an actual episode like this one, we will do a watch party. So this uh, February 6th, we are going to be doing a watch party, uh, which is uh, this Saturday, as I mentioned, at 3 p.m. And we're going to be watching RoboCop. So please join us, twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. And it's going to be a watch party. Uh, watch parties are not made as episodes. They are just there for fun to do live, and then that's it. But if you want to actually be part of either a watch party or an actual podcast recording, just remember, just come check us out on Twitch. And you want to know more about it, of course, our social networks are usually we try to put everything up there. Our Twitter is fairly active. It's uh, at Martini uh, Giant on Twitter. We're also available on Facebook. That is Facebook.com slash Martini Giant. And our Instagram is at Martini underscore Giant. Uh, so all of those places are where you can find out. If you want to email us ideas, we always welcome that. Podcast at MartiniGiant.com. All right. Hopefully you guys can enjoy Rollerball from 1975. All right, hello cool. everybody. Hello, hello. Martini hello, Giant. everybody. <laughs> uh, Jason's on. Happy New Year. Everything seems fine. Thank you. That's right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year, Jason. Happy yeah. New Year, all guests. Fantastic. Yeah. This actually looks. You're right, Eric. It's better. It's better, right? Your video is a hundred percent better, and yeah. audio. The audio. Still- it's very tactile. It has a great feeling. It's sensuous. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, turned I went to black briefly, but you can still hear you. Okay, as long as you can still come hear. back. Yeah. Hang on for a second. Let me see what's going on. No, it's not you. I think it's OBS Ninja. So here's the thing, right? So OBS uh, OBS Ninja, I think, had a big update, and so now it's got higher quality video stuff and everything else, and it seems to be working great. Uh, oh, nice, Sam. Yeah, this is, does look better. I, I my camera gives me a nice sort of uh, Richard Donner nineteen seventy four look. Okay, mm. I have a question to ask you guys. Yes, are you doing OBS Ninja in your browser or OBS Ninja as software? Browser, browser. There's no software for OBS Ninja, right? I have. I it thought here. it was all online. Yeah, yeah. I have an OBS Ninja software. Oh, that's very okay. exciting. Two in my bar now. Question. Mm-hmm. Should I get a wider angle lens? Should I be back more? How about that? No, you're good. Look at you. I think everyone looks quite handsome. I mean, then uh, after after going through the holidays, you think we'd look worse, but it's good, Chris. 
Yeah, I like it. A little more, little more chest hair. It's very seventies. I'm Gene Simmons. I'm going for the Gene Simmons look. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, like nice. yeah I like nice. it. I Come like on, it. baby. Come on, baby. You, I, you know what my favorite? On, uh, my favorite Simmons has got to be him playing the bad guy in Tom Selleck's Runaway. Oh yes. Yep. That is yep. A, that that movie. I believe that should be famous. I was going to kind of bring it up in sort of an off off tangent with Rollerball, but I'm just going to open with it right right now. Uh, I believe that is on Oop, Amazon on. Prime. Check I'm out. Uh, there you go. Uh, check out uh, uh, Tom Selleck's almost breakthrough in science fiction. Um, yeah. Uh, Runaway about tiny robots that explode. And, I've uh, seen this movie. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's great. Yeah. It has a, it has a very like Terminatory feel to it. Like it, f- it feels like it's a cop movie that exists in the world of Terminator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember this. And there was also another one that's along the lines of Mad Max that was terrible called Cherry 2000. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> of course. That had um, Melanie Griffith in it, I think. Melanie right? Griffith, yeah. 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 yeah I remember him as like a CEO or some sort of tough boss behind a desk. I remember seeing Gene Simmons as like – Yeah, I think that might be right. Yeah, I've, The Don or something. It was like, wait a minute. Yeah, like uh, Selleck uh, is a guy that specializes in taking out uh, uh, household robots that have gone crazy, Um, and uh, so you actually have like little like Roombas that pick up guns and kill their families, and uh, yeah, it happens. It happens. I'm I'm pretty sure that happened in Florida a few times. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it uh, happens a lot out here. (laughs) Florida Roomba kills family. Uh, Yeah, the um, uh, that's like, but there's a there's a certain set of science fiction movies. That, uh, uh, especially in the 80s, but also in the 70s, as we'll talk about, that are sort of secretly great little science fiction films that people have not really heard of. Uh, and I think that Rollerball is on the cusp of that. Like, not a lot of people know Rollerball. Really? They know, they know James Caan, for sure. But, like, when I'm, just, when I'm just chatting with people online, like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. But, you know, it just doesn't. Oh, isn't, isn't some people have actually seen. So I'm, I'm glad that we're covering this today. This is a, this is so, a special movie to me. I remember what, so it's, so the thing is, you know, it's like, it's an ongoing theme. This is a movie that I saw over and over and over again. Cause my buddy had it on Betamax back in yeah, the day. Right? It's a perfect Betamax movie. <laughs> right? They had it on Betamax back in the day and we watched it over right. and over again. And we were like 14 years old. Right. So, so to us, uh, rollerball was like, this ultimate like violent movie that you wanted to watch as a 14 year old boy. Right. Uh, and I, I knew somewhere underlying that there was a different message that was going on beyond yes. the violence of the sport. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't, you know, and I watched it with my dad cause I couldn't wait to show it my dad and my dad, I remember my dad saying, this is a really interesting film. And yeah. then I started realizing like, I think I'm missing part of this. <laughs> you know, 14 yeah. years old, I wasn't quite understanding the corporate culture politic thing going on there. But uh, yeah, and it, and it's sort of like I mean, it's it's still by today's standards sort of uh, you know science fictional, but it's a lot less science fictional than it was. Like right. it's it, like the the world has crept closer to the rollerball world. And, well, yes. uh, I, and I, have to, I have to say, like there are were trappings. The underlying thread of it relates to today. It's very futuristic. But the contrast to this is I think there are some things in the film that, you know, after seeing this over again, and I had similar experiences, Chris, uh, I'll say that 
strangely but strange but true when i was in undergrad i was in a fraternity i i don't know why they picked me because what? I was, yeah i was in a fraternity and it was a football fraternity 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 <laughs> it, was, it was fiji and it was alpha chapter the first one ever oh, you were a you were a fiji 19th century it was the first one we were alpha it was all jocks and i don't know how i got in but i love the guys but i refused to live in the place and they got angry at me um but i had my own house which was cheap and i was like i'm not gonna live in a fraternity but i'll show up and they were nice guys but they had that heavy rotation on the second floor all the football players was on the vhs the uh rollerball and top gun oh yeah so of course right, sure. every time i see the i'm like oh god walking by like walsh's room or something and it's just like like stopping by to say hi but yes it was uh it was they were nice guys man but uh well it, like it has like it has a a, a sort of a uh a strong jock crossover right it's like this is it, a it's an enormous jock crossover right the right. thing about it though is the underlying theme for the jocks it really isn't um they don't pick up. It's morally the action and, and, and fighting and the brutality. That's the whole point of the movie, right? Yeah. Right. The whole point of the movie is that the jocks aren't picking it up. <laughs> right. And what's, and what's and, great is the movie, the movie actually works incredibly well as a sports movie. Like, I mean, it plays yeah. like this. This is as good as any football movie of that same period. Now, you know? he also did other football movies. Remember uh, the one that, that Brian song or whatever? Oh yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, like but the thing about that for me watching this, it's like somehow, like by 1968, I think The Graduate, up until about 1983, somehow production designers thought Lucite meant the future. <laughs> that's right. It's Every going to be Lucite. Everything will be Lucite. Lucite. I was like, right. oh man, like right. it's clear and it's strong and dirty, right. but it's not glass. It's right. the future, and it's yeah. like. That kind of so the art direction and for me it wouldn't yeah. hurt Norman Jewison to have a wide angle lens. It was borderline. Oh, yeah, it, it was borderline Jack tattoo. Like <laughs> yeah, actually, like I was gonna, yes. I was gonna, I was gonna say it brings up. Uh, it made me feel like it was kind of in a Venn diagram with sleeper. <laughs> like yeah, this. there was no wide angle lens, and it was oh like, yeah, yeah, for sure. It was so tight, I was like, God Almighty, could would have kill somebody to have like a twenty eight lens? He, he only he only uses the wides for uh, like when the blowing up the tree sequence, which we'll talk about later. But like the yeah. like, mo mo oh, mainly it is a very yeah. very close shot film, and it, like and for me like I I have I'm you know I'm a Michael Mann fan, so obviously I like long lenses and uh, a lot of cutting. But I like the um, this is a, a this is a really unique movie because it feels like it could be the sequel or a partner to a lot of different movies. Like it could be, it's a little kind of like the, the like the realistic level of it's like 2001 only as a TV show, I guess it's kind of how the, the, the production design feels. It crosses mm -hmm. over with sleeper. It crosses. I, I, I think there are great directors out there who can, Jewison's a brilliant guy. He also did like, um, the Steve McQueen one. Um, oh yeah, and Jewison is a terrific. People don't know who Norman Jewison is. Yeah, but he did one like with Thomas Crown. Yeah, I believe he did Thomas Crown. Let's see, I'm pulling his pitch. Like he did, um, let's see, uh, uh, Moonstruck, Agnes of God, Soldier Story, which is fantastic. Agnes of God is great. Yeah. Rollerball, and he did the '90s, the most famous for uh, yes. Cincinnati Kid. Uh, yeah, like the guy's the real great director of the actors. Thing about yeah. it, there are directors who I think the person that could have done this, it was. The threads were so, there was a lot to it. 
um, mm. you know, in terms of like the characters and what the messaging is, but it also has to go hand in hand with really strong visual style. Mm-hmm. And I felt like if like a, I don't know, Ridley Scott, somebody else who has a good eye. Yeah, but the production budget probably wasn't too high. No, they well, budget uh, let me, in let me, let me pitch this at you. Would, you. would you agree with me on this? So like the, I think for the science fictional setting, it's a little under constructed in terms of the production design. Yes. But for the, uh, for the sports, for the actual playing of the game, the photography is That's, absolutely fantastic. It's, it's Slocum. Yeah, like this is one hundred. Not only that, not only that, but they really shot the servant. They yeah, thought yeah. through the game itself. Like there was yeah, a lot of thought it's about the part. It's just right. I find like we're in Tokyo, but it just seems like they're back in Houston. Right. Just, so, so I guess we should we should stop and say for people who have not actually seen this movie. A restaurant with it, James Khan's favorite Japanese restaurant in the valley. Like all the <laughs> right. we'll be the we'll be the Japanese team, James. <laughs> right. Exactly. You bet. But yeah, okay. like uh, but, for, yeah, for the people who haven't seen the movie, like we should talk about that. We should describe that first. Well, first of all, let's say why we picked this movie. The reason it came up that we picked this movie is that on our Twitter feed, Dan put out something about James Caan and uh, Chris, uh, uh, Elliot Gould, right? Yeah, it was uh, James Caan and Elliot Gould in a uh, single photograph from a movie together. Right. And, uh, and that was that tweet was epically liked by James Caan himself. Right. Like, I was, I've never been so. So basically. Uh, uh, James Khan liked our tweet on Twitter, yeah, and it was uh, inspirational to us. And apparently, James Khan's pretty active on Twitter. Apparently, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um, uh, our our uh, our follower and good friend um, uh, uh, Todd, who is uh, not in the chat stream at the moment, but often is, uh, he is a James, great James Khan fan, and uh, uh, he was the one who caught this. I had actually missed it on the Twitter feed. He had uh, he had liked the same thing. I guess he saw other people that liked it, and like because when it came up to, to me, it says, uh, you know, uh, Todd's has liked your tweet. Uh, right. Along with five others, and then I clicked it open, and one of the five others was James Con. Right. And I was like, <laughs> "Twitter lead with James Con." No offense to Todd. <laughs> so you told us that James Con liked our tweet. I was like, "Well, we got to cover a James Con film." And the, the first one I thought of was Rollerball. Believe it or not, like you know, forget the Godfather, forget all the other stuff. Like yeah. I wanted to go with Rollerball. Uh, and and, and, so and the thing is that this it. this movie that that uh, I we've uh, talked about Rollerball before on this podcast. Oh yeah, no, it's an exciting movie. I think you and I agree very much on this movie. Um, but James Caan is a real like s- sort of he's like he's a incredible favorite of mine at a very low key. Like he's one of those guys that every time he shows up, you're like, oh, I fucking love James Caan. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, even in Elf. Like think about yeah, him exactly. in Elf. <laughs> he, he, he should not fit in that film at all, and yet he was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, like James Caan is like the nicest surprise of an actor to find in a movie, bar none. Like you see him in Even Bottle in Rocket, you see, yeah, exactly. Like, he's yeah. he is such a uh, he's got such uh, like intense uh, real character to him. Like just as a person, he's like giving off this this glow of um, this persona, uh, and even his tweets. Like he ends all of his tweets with "end of tweet." like he's amazing he's completely amazing in every way and when you see him in a movie whether it's godfather or whether the other science fiction movie i was going to bring up that nobody's seen uh one that i loved called alien nation with uh tankin uh which i had the pleasure of rewatching now because it's on amazon prime uh another strange little science fiction film that's actually quite good it's sort of like the good version of bright 
Uh, I strongly, strongly recommend that. He is terrific in everything he's seen him in. Nice. Nice. That's a shout out to you, Mr. Khan. Thank you for liking this tweet. That was, I, I'm sure you become a fan. Payaso? <laughs> I don't know who hits this Payaso on, on our Twitter, on our Twitch is saying, Khan! Khan! <laughs> and I also yeah. want to show the, uh, the actual um, uh, movie that I had tweeted the photograph from uh, is a movie called Harry and Walter Go to New York, which also has Diane Keaton and Michael Caine. And to see like, all three of those people in like all three of those guys and and uh diane diane keaton in the same frame is truly surreal and nobody remembers that movie either right but uh <laughs> that's a that's a real favorite of mine right there well let's get a little bit into the movie for those of you who haven't seen it you should still watch it and we're going to completely spoil it but it doesn't matter it's still worth it 100 percent, even if you know the entire plot <laughs> to see this movie. Uh, it's it's a, it's pretty incredible but it, as a, as the name implies it is a, a game called rollerball that is the theme of this film uh, it was also remade in 2002 but they completely missed the fucking point <laughs> oh god i know and it was just I, sad because I, the director of 2002 is actually a good director yeah the, the director of the 2002 one is the guy who directed predator die hard and hunt for red october and right. that was going to oh. be his uh, comeback and the guy that went to jail the guy went to jail for spying on people. What's Too his bad. name? Um, that is uh, Rennie Harlan is the name that comes up, but that's not it. It is uh, oh, John McTiernan. John McTiernan. McTiernan. Yeah, he went to prison. Yeah, he was a wonderful director. He really had a, a lot of great ones in the 80s. And then uh, I think he just yeah. went a little uh, off the deep end. You got Go a little ahead. paranoid. And that's how that goes. Anyway, so this film stars James Caan, and the other great uh, character actor in this is John Houseman. Oh, yes. Who uh, could not be better cast for the role that he plays in this film. He was and also sure. just known from Mank. He was plays, there's a character, uh, the guy playing the character of John Houseman in Mank, and it's pretty funny. Uh, right. Yeah, just to connect that for people on our last podcast. Yes. And what was the, the Seinfeld line? It's like Berg. Mr. Berg is the perfect John Houseman name. Mr. Berg. Mr. Berg. <laughs> Berg. Here's the question. When I was watching this, I remember as a kid, he used to be a sponsor. Was it American Express? Yeah, I think so, right? Who? Houseman? Houseman? Yeah, something yeah. like that. He was a corporate sponsor towards the 80s. That was, was, was like, Yeah, and he was always on television as... And I was trying to think, God, what was that? I have to well, look. He was it up. Paper Chase, right? That was the big thing he was on. Yep, Paper Chase. Yeah, that was the Paper movie. Chase. Yep, yep absolutely. That's a very much our generation type thing. I don't think anyone else would even know what the hell we're. There was the Paper Chase movie. Oh, the it was a money company. A money was, company. Yeah, Houseman ads. Fidelity. Was, no, uh, John House Smith Barney. They earn it. They, they just earn own. it. They make they money the old-fashioned way. They earn it. They earn oh, it. now I remember. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> Smith. Yeah, like, he has. He has easily the yes. most pompous voice of any of the great pompous English actors. Yes, like they, they, they cultivated him. Uh, yes, who was also the, with like he's neck and neck for the most part. Like now, Ralph Richardson is too likable as a person uh, to be as pompous as John Houseman. John Houseman right. takes it 
all the way home. He's yeah. like, I do not give a shit about anyone beneath my class he, he is, whatsoever. Yes. Oh, yes. He's a Fraser Crane times three. <laughs> yes, 100%, yeah. 100%. You know, Ralph Richardson, wonderful at playing the sort of the, uh, the, the dyed-in-the-wool elitist Englishman, but, uh, right. but he still has too much care for the lower classes in his voice. I think Houseman is the, is the real bar. <laughs> you have to be, he was also you know, in The Verdict, which was great. Oh yeah, well yeah, it's um uh uh what's his name um the guy that beat that is uh, James is James Mason James Mason Mason was in it that's sorry yeah Mason no but I was thinking about Mason too because like Mason is is that is almost one step further than Hausman because Hausman simply has um uh like he doesn't he he has a lack of interest or care in anything you're saying but James Mason has active disdain for you. Like, you know, right. like, like he's antagonistic and that's what was so exciting. <laughs> but he's also very much more elegant and oh, so yes. aristocratic in his yes. very sharp, very like he would never be John fingers. Houseman himself, but he would be the guy that screws John Houseman out of his entire uh, source of wealth. And then, uh, and then, and then, uh, and then, uh, spits in his face. <laughs> they were in the same rowing club. In, in that Absolutely. Jim, Absolutely. Uh, Jim Gaffigan had a really funny thing. I was watching him the other day where he's talking about English people. They don't really like Americans. It's like, it's like they own a jewelry store and we are the person that walks in with two big bags of garbage. <laughs> and they look at us and go, uh, can I help you? <laughs> oh, great. The Americans are the here. The Americans are here. Oh, the horror. Yes, like that's, that's, that's the John Hasman tone, and he brings it 100% rollerball. Where oh, yeah. he, really, he really makes you feel like you should be ashamed for watching a scene with John Hasman in it. And it's such yeah. a wonderful feeling. It's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> like, you, know, like, you know who James Conn reminds me of? Especially when he's not on the, on, in the court, when he's sort of wandering around trying to make sense of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, he reminds me of uh, Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure. I want to get make that parallel uh, later on. But anyway, story starts where you say, see the game of rollerball getting set up with uh, organ music being played. Uh, fantastic organ music. Yep. Uh, yeah. uh, classical music. Uh, uh, played by the London Philharmonic, by the way. Andre Previn. Yeah. Excellent. Really good music for this, yeah. uh, for this movie. Which gives uh, it this sort of two thousand and one ish flair. As very well. much. Oh yeah, right. there's no hiding that. Yeah, uh, right. uh, and it was a really, really good. But uh, there was also a parallax view feel to it too. I was like, going to bring this up. Yes, yeah. absolutely. The raster shot. Like, yeah, yeah, like it's parallax view meets um, uh, Logan's Run. Like that's yeah. the uh, that's the uh, that's the overall flair. A really yeah. unique picture. It's really strange. Yeah. Uh, the other parallel uh, we we mentioned all the different kinds of movies that this uh, the, the the sets this quote unquote future sets look like. Uh, the other one is uh, THX. Uh, oh, very <laughs> much so. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's, so, uh, which is one of the by one the way, Dan, you yes, might get this. Do you know who one of the stuntmen was that I saw in the credits? No, Dar Robinson. I know that name. Who is that? He's, He's the, the guy, guy who drove the car. Drove the car in bullet. Not only right? that, he's the yeah. guy that did Sharky's Machine and died. Yeah, that's the dude. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's that Sharky's Machine and what? He was a stuntman of Sharky's Machine. He jumped out a window and he died. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sharky's Machine. Well, that'll be part of our future. Burt Reynolds needs to be reevaluated as the Great American Hero podcast. 
<laughs> right. But he was a big time stunt guy. Dar Robinson was Dar like, Robinson. Yeah. yeah, he was. Uh, famous. I was like, what? Let me but double check on the uh, let's, stuff. Let's see. Uh, bullet stunt driver. I don't think it's him now. I think it's uh, the because oh, Bill Hickman. Bill Hickman is the is the bullet stunt driver because he became an actor off of doing the driving in Bullet, and so you see him a lot in other in other pictures as well. He's not quite as big as Dar Robinson, but you know he's one of those guys you, you really recognize instantaneously. Right. Really, really awesome. But yeah, right. no this uh, this this movie is is definitely part of like a, a a collection of science fiction films that share a kind of DNA of the seventies and sixties that mm-hmm. never really got off the ground like. Right. The, I'm a visual artist, like you're saying, uh, Eric Ridley Scott, to come and really take a hold of it and push it to the next level. Yeah, like like it's they're leaning very heavily on um, weird architecture and lucite, like you're saying, and like like they're they're using things that were strange in the '70s to be the strangeness of the future, and. Uh, you know, most of the seventies, it doesn't feel futuristic at all. (laughs) It feels very, very seventies and it's still sort of locked in that format. And like the, the only person that I, that I can think of that has found a way to address that is, uh, Villeneuve with, uh, 2049 where like he's taking like inspiration from those kinds of movies, uh, a lot of the brutalism and all that kind of stuff. And he's using that as his base to, um, just, start his designs from and it seems, right. it seems like the same thing is true for dune as well um but i think it's like it's a really great source and i think that like rollerball is really interesting because it has this dynamic of being essentially a very realistic 1970s sports film um as well as a uh, really strange semi-artsy sci-fi tv movie and i'm like I, like it, it never quite lands blending the two of them together like houseman's world is really really stylized um, but it's it's fascinating that they make this stab at it, and it's something you like. I would I would say that this is the first for me, the first real cyberpunk movie, and it doesn't have like you know um, Matrix style stuff. But I think the Matrix well, has well, that's has, not really the definition of cyberpunk. It, well, that's well, the, the thing is like Ma- Matrix has become what people think of when they think of cyberpunk. When cyberpunk is traditionally anti corporate. Like that's that's the that's the real push of cyberpunk. Like if you yeah, read all, but it's of, also about it, cyberpunk is also about the digital world. No, that doesn't come until the eighties. Like we're talking like black tickets and stuff like that from the seventies, you know, yeah. or like uh, or uh, what do you call it, uh, shockwave rider, and books like that, where it's just like that's the real beginning of this stuff. Where none of the this uh, isn't just anti corporate. This is anti capitalism. A- anti capitalism. Yeah, exactly. And like this, <laughs> this is, is the like, biggest. This is a big anti capitalism yeah, film. Yeah, very very political film. And so like every like this this movie more so than the Matrix shows what cyberpunk was really uh, up against. It's sort of like everyone in this is a everybody is a corporate stooge. Everyone is bought out. Everybody is a, a salary man who's been completely like like the corporations buy and trade your spouses. You know, yeah. and it is just sort of accepted. And, uh, and like, yeah, like later on and like through William Gibson, who's amazing. And, uh, you know, through the matrix, which is like all the style, like cyberpunk becomes a stylistic event. But the, the, this movie for me is like, if they, if they gussied it up a little bit more and made it a little bit more stylish, then people would agree that this is in the same realm as like Blade Runner. Like it's just not quite yeah. as artistically together as Blade Runner is. 
Maybe. But it's really also about gladiators, right? It's also mm -hmm. about Roman empires, et cetera, et cetera. So sure. the game of rollerball, just to give people an idea of what this is about, it is a circular arena in which the sides of the walls are slanted and people uh, are on roller skates, as the, it would imply, as well as motorcycles. So there are people on motorcycles and roller skates, and they're all toughed up, just like roller derby. They've got spiked gloves and everything else. Mm -hmm. And a ball, which is more of a giant steel ball, is shot out of a cannon and rolls around the arena, and someone catches it, and then they try to catch it, and then they try to put it into this goal. And it's extraordinarily violent, as you would imagine. <laughs> yes. the, the first game i mean there's only there's three games that happen in it and they escalate as you go that's the whole point of these games right the first game is your introduction into this game like here is what the game is about here's how it goes here's the flow of it and you get the point of the game very quickly and it is exciting to watch it's yeah. very exciting to watch right it's like hockey and roller derby and skate. yeah and it's not just a bunch of mayhem like they really sort of instruct you as to how, to how the game is played by right. watching the game get played right and uh and then like the editing and the and the shooting is so good and so tight they did you're like they're just making a sports movie to start out with and it gets you 100 yeah. on board with that stuff totally on board right and yep. you see james con and i forgot james con's uh sidekick character who is who's that actor Oh yeah, um, yeah, Moon Pie. What? Uh, Moon what's, Pie. Yeah. yeah, I forgot that. Uh, yeah, you see him a lot of a lot of seventies pictures. Uh, yeah, uh, he looks like one star pretty much. Yeah, basically. Uh, <laughs> Moon Pie is we're gonna say that is John Beck. Yeah, he is the classic. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is an absolute classic. Uh, is he still uh, alive? He is. Let's see. IMDb tells us that he's in a coma. Oh no, that's in a movie. <laughs> yeah, no, that's in the movie. Don't worry. Like, uh, John Beck, where's where's this history? Gosh. Storyline, blah, blah, blah. No, that's the storyline for Rollerball, not the storyline for John Beck. Where is it? John Beck. Where are you? Okay, here we go. John Beck. Uh, you know him from, ironically, Sleeper. Uh, oh, and nice. <laughs> and uh, uh, Audrey Rose and a bunch of stuff like this. He right. is uh, he has been married to Tina Carter since 1971. They have four children. He is still alive. Nice, uh, awesome. nice job, John Beck. Excellent. Uh, yeah, he grew up in um, uh, Evanston, hmm. Joliet, Illinois. So he's a uh, he's a Chicago kid through and through. That's nice. fantastic. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's uh, yeah. Like the the casting in this movie is is all great sort of B movie seventies casting, right? Uh, and like every single person you're seeing is like basically fresh off a TV or playing a second banana in some other very yeah, famous movie. But here's the thing: there are some of those party sequences. I swear we could recut and make a Pierre Cardin fragrance ad. Oh yeah, sure, of course. Yeah, that, would, that would be so great <laughs> if we just recut it, like. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. it was genius. They didn't plan it, but that party scene, and then when they go out and fire at the trees, we'll talk about it later. Oh, absolutely! I love that scene, but it's like, yeah, Pierre Cardin just put a little soap on the rope and the fragrance. I think that, I think they should make that into a Pierre Cardin, like with absolutely no context at all. Just show these people blowing. That'd trees. be so great. Ads. But yeah, look at this thing, and I want to throw to uh, Museman in the chat. Museman pointed out that uh, future font makes it the future, and put a link to the uh, to the rollerball font, and I am installing it on my computer as we speak. I already installed it today. By the way. <laughs> yeah. Things I sent you. Yeah, oh, so good, so good. I love that stuff. The future that never happened. <laughs> yeah. Images I sent you. Did you guys post them? 
Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, yeah totally. Oh. Awesome. oh, I'll check it out. Yeah. But yeah, no, this well, it's is funny. A... It's a, but anyway, so 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 the game gets played, and then John Houseman, who feels like he's the owner of the that's what I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're being walks into the locker room and gives him a big pep talk and is like, All right, John and Jonathan E mm -hmm. uh, is, is Khan. Khan, and Moon Pie is his is his uh, buddy. And Moon Pie is the heavy, right? Moon Pie is the guy who's protect him. So it's kind of like, you know, he's he's the guy who protects him, he's the tackler. And James Kahn is the guy who scores all the stuff, right? Right. And so they kept talking about how awesome James Kahn is and how amazing player he is. And they're like, okay, so he's the hero of the sports game. He is the guy who we should be cheering for, right? Right, right. And so, and that's what, uh, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, uh, anyway, the, the, the corporate guy. Uh, Houseman. Yeah. Houseman, yes. Yeah. And so Houseman then tells James Kahn, come to my office tomorrow. I want to talk to you. And so he goes to his office and they have a conversation at which point he announces, I want you to announce your retirement. <laughs> right. It's like at his peak of his game, right? You are retiring. And I'm like, what? And it's like, well, of course I'll do whatever the corporation says. And then you start to realize there are no more countries anymore. The corporations run everything and the cities are run by actual corporations and they to the point are, that people don't even know which cities yeah. are owned by which corporations anymore right and That's he was right. like yeah they live in houston which is run by the energy corporation right and then was it like cincinnati is like the food corporation or something like right. that whatever it is right and right. so they, they just don't even know so there's no this oh i remember the day and they even had part of the conversations like i remember the day back when during the three countries and like right. okay so obviously the entire world has gone completely corporate corporate right yeah. like to the extreme to the extreme uh and it's the capitalism at its at its at its peak uh, yeah capitalism that has gone so far that it almost turns into a weird kind of socialism like yes. everyone everyone is is completely provided for all the time and you just have to operate by the corporate rules yeah like right. that's just how it goes and they decide everything and they get right. privileges that other people's don't wife away like do his wife right but yeah. you know what it also reminded me of is communism <laughs> exactly yeah i mean like all these things pushed to their extreme like turn into the same junk you know it's like like it's really wild and like the because uh, like it, another another movie that this crosses over with is um is uh soylent green like this feels right. like the, the uh, prequel to soylent green right you know but just as all this collapses you know then it turns into soylent green right after also tonight address some of those things from earlier which ones? Uh, you said we were going to talk to somebody, or oh, right, we are going to talk about that. Yeah, we're at going the to talk end, about our political oh. stuff. Yes, right. so you know, we got a we got a just just a quick quick break. We got some long emails from some of our fans regarding our um, just the just the just the president's uh, man or <laughs> all the president's men and right. idiocracy. And got some notes on all those. And so we're going to address those at some point during this podcast. Uh, but it'll come up. But yes, thanks for reminding me, Eric. But let's, yeah, no, let's, let's, let's keep our, our trend. Just quickly say that, no, and just to quickly focus, it was an email basically saying that both Chris and myself, he really enjoys us and he doesn't like them. But you yeah, know, it's basically, we're going to vote in the chat whether or not I should be going to the show. Bus. No, right. no, I'm not yeah. going to throw you under the bus, Dan. That's not my style. No, it's not. Like, everyone uh, give a thumbs up in the chat if you want me to stay, or if no, <laughs> He's, uh, No, it, it is time. <laughs> You've reached a peak of your game, Dan, and now it's time for you to retire. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> 
That's you right. can't be you can't be that good anymore. It's no yes. longer no longer so, an option. <laughs> well, anyway, so there there goes the the thing that basically uh, Jonathan E is supposed to retire, and he's he. What's interesting is that he's the big, tough, amazing guy in the in the in the in the uh, on the arena, but he seems like a bumbling idiot when he's outside. He's like, I, I don't uh, what uh, I don't know. He's very quiet and very weird, right? Like I said, you remind. He's too much method. Like, is it? Um, like he was almost like borderline. Like I'm overdoing the, the method acting like because he was like just like a little bit of mumbling at times where right. it was hard to understand him and i was like like he really sounds like a football player though like, no. like, that they catch off camera like yeah like he's, right. it's really i i like his performance in this lot but i see where you're where you're where you're going with it eric it's like he is was like it was like i don't know if it was called energy corp or exposition corp because they were just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's all they're there for yeah, yeah. And you, you've been with us for three years, and I appreciate it. And we took your wife or girlfriend. Da, da, da. It's like, please sit down. <laughs> <laughs> you remember me? I'm John Houseman. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay, right? Yeah, right. everybody on that side of the business was complete, uh, like exposition, like to kind of fill in holes. Right. And it was like it was a little blaring, but yes, I understand what you're saying about Jimmy Khan. But there was a time where he just was. Particularly when he was with Houseman, he was like uh, uh, grimacing, like okay, right. say something. Yeah, like because <laughs> it's interesting that the yeah, I think you're right. Like the they do give the more artificial sounding stuff to the most artificial people in the movie, you know, yeah. like and uh, and so I think that like it's level on purpose, um, but it is it is in fact a lot of ex- like a lot of explanation that you probably could trim down in the movie just because like it's better to give just an impression of this stuff. We understand the basic setup, um, but like it is. It is it, say again. I have a theory about this. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Is it okay if I give a theory? Um, Share it up. Um, I was reading after I watched this about it, and I sent you guys the PDF. And it's an idea. I'm not saying because there was a point where, like the Pierre Cardin people, and there was a there wasn't a lot of naturalism. And I'm wondering if they spent so much money on the set that because they shot it in Munich. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so with all the people in Munich, they don't speak English, but they got a lot of extras who just seem European wooden and right. didn't talk English. Or there was something about the executives that weren't really talking; they were always mumbling, and right. it was there was a woodenness about some of the extras. And I, when I saw that it was in Munich, I was like, ah, I wonder if they just spent so much money on the arena <laughs> that they yeah. just like just get people off the streets. Just and it right. was like it, one of those things, because there was definitely a wall between the real actors and the, 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 the extras. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 And, and the thing is like, that's, that's something that I normally don't mind too much. Like I, I like seeing like when you're clearly using real, real people and stuff is kind of interesting to me. Um, but they are it like, the, like there's a tonal difference between the reality with which the sports stuff is being done where it's Jimmy Conn in a football movie, basically, or, uh, or as Chad points out, a, uh, a highlight movie. Right. And, uh, right. uh, and, uh, and that is like that's one movie, and then there's a wrapper of a movie that makes it science fiction, and that's a little bit more, uh, like you're saying, Chris, THX 1138, and like THX 1138 is a great example because like THX 1138 doesn't really work, but 
it when it works it like is is the most clear version of that uh, orwellian future that they had made in the 70s uh right. and uh, like and i don't think that like and it's a combination of like because i actually really like the um the most 2000 something re-release of thx which had like uh extra cg uh, effects in it yeah. actually it made the movie more coherent like i could understand what's happening in the movie better and it also looked very good or at least it looked, like it looks stylistic and interesting um but there's the movies like that that have this sort of like a, they grab this moment of total realism and complete uh logan's runnishness at the same time it's just nobody's done it for an entire film and this is one of those movies where I'm just like, they they just kind of get it, and then it slips away. And uh, I don't think that there's been a movie that actually has successfully done this. Blade Runner is probably the closest, I suppose. But uh, like, I, I like the 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 background people, like the uh, the the perfect commercial pe- people that you get in the blowing up the trees sequence. Like, if that were shot by Paul Thomas Anderson, this movie would work like crazy. Like. Right. It would be perfect. That's the thing that the only thing this movie is really missing is that extra stylistic edge that glues it all together. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's just there was a weirdness about that. And also the Japanese team was literally looked like they just went to a sushi restaurant in Munich and said, We need you. Exactly. You're the best we got. Like this is like I know you're not actually save that for when we get to that part of the plot. Right, uh, right. So, so what what happens basically is that they they have this they have this team and he refuses to he refuses to retire. The, not only that, he has a quote unquote new girlfriend that is sent to him by the corporation, <laughs> right? right? Right. And she's the one who's trying to force him to quit, like to to basically she's monitoring him, she's spying on him, yeah. and and yeah. and it's very very odd uh, to see that. Right. Uh, yes. And the octopusy is a good reference in there, too. That was his wife is from octopusy. <laughs> That's correct. Yes. That's so, uh, but anyway. Ball. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> He's the ball, the ball that rolls all of him play. <laughs> He's James Khan. <laughs> James Khan. <Kahn. laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> Uh, he will mumble, he'll mumble through most of the film. He's really <laughs> tough. <laughs> so, uh, James, we love you. Thank you for tweeting. <laughs> yeah. Gone, James, gone. Yes. The, uh, so basically, he refuses to quit, at which point they put him, there's a new game that happens, and they change the rules of the game. In the new rules of the game, they said limited substitutions and no penalties, meaning you can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> Right. of two vegetables only at the salad bar. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, and that is in their game when they play against Tokyo, right? right? Now, the big thing, besides the fact that obviously they all look like they're just a bunch of people that you found at a sushi bar, as you said. Yeah, like in, in the airport, you got these guys. You're good enough. Let's go. Yeah. But it's also Moon Pie is I mean, I know it's 1975, but unbelievably racist. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, he's racist. Yeah. Like, people in the movie, like, they knew oh, he was racist yeah. when they made the movie. You know what's sure. interesting? Whenever I see yeah, James Caan, like, 70s James Caan around that era, that was pretty much the era when he was living at the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. And it, he would live there, like, three years. Right. That's pretty good. That's, that's a good deal. That's, <laughs> that's so, James Caan lifestyle right there. That's amazing. Oh my God! Yeah, he literally was buddies with Hugh, and he just—they let him live there for like two and a half, three years. That's yeah. so. Yeah, so cool and read scripts. 
So James Caan is Orson Welles in that, and Hugh Hefner is uh, Peter Bogdanovich. <laughs> yeah, that's the relationship they have. That's a, that is not bad. That is not bad. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, James James Caan definitely very interesting uh, character for sure, for sure. Uh, anyway, so uh, uh, so they played a game against Japan, and of course because. Moonpie continues to be more and more condescending and racist towards the Japanese. Mm -hmm. And of course, they had 1970s like, they may use advanced karate. Karate. <laughs> karate. karate. That's right. Yeah, it was like, uh, it, was just, it was just a little, little much. Little yeah, much. Yeah. It's a 70s yeah. view of, uh, of Japanese. Very, like, okay, I know Moonpie was a bit racist, but, but, the, but the movie itself feels racist towards Japanese. Yeah, it's like the movie is coming from a fairly limited point of view. It's the, mo yeah. the movie is actually, I think it's pointing out that Moon Pie is racist and it knows Moon Pie is racist. Right. It's not so sensitive to its own cultural stereotyping that it's right. doing in the film. Uh, right. they, so it's a, it's, a little, it's a little offbeat. I totally agree. Where you're exactly. just like, uh, okay, I guess we'll ride with that. But yeah, yeah like they, they, don't, they don't quite pick up on their own, uh, their own bent. But yes, uh, but yes yeah, that's... Uh, but uh, but still, leading into that game, and I would also point out all the rollerball games in this are some of my favorite sports scenes. Right. <laughs> like these are just great. The action scenes are amazing in this stuff. Really well done. Really yeah. well done. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. It was really 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 good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 hard to watch in some cases because it is feels fairly violent. Now, of course, today we would make it much more violent, but <laughs> somehow, uh, the way that it's cut and the way you see it, it feels pretty hard to watch still yeah yeah it, it feels very physical you know and it's like a, and i think that part of that is the uh the style of photography you know that sort of like zoom lens as we we're talking about before photography which makes a very intimate feeling and very immediate where you're catching a moment kind of uh flavor um but also the uh the editing and how the how the cuts are designed along with the sound design like makes it really impactful and like they like so when people get you know the action was shot really well, I have to say. Yeah, beautiful. I think yeah. it's a slocum, but it's it was so good, uh, yeah. and it really connected. There wasn't a hole in terms of the action, whereas some of the the other scenes, non-action scenes, there, you, there were holes, but the action you followed from the moment right. the buzzer went off. Um, I just yeah. always felt like you, you know it, it's so, like the same arena every time. Yeah, but right. It's just a budget thing. You can't do anything about that. Yeah, you can't build uh, three then, different arenas for it. But like, I mean, today we would have. Yeah, like like today, I think we might fancy it up too much. Like I think we would probably like oh, gussy it up with like too much like overblown sort of uh, you know like a gigantic stadium with all sorts of TVs and all that kind of stuff. And I like I think there's something so uh, small and intense about the way that this is shot right. that uh, that even though it's clear that they have budgetary limitations, like I feel like I'm watching some sort of cage match style thing yeah and it's really freaky yeah it, it's it's it it feels like the like the what's the ultimate fighting uh yeah, ufc exactly exactly yeah. you know and it's really 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 brutal and i think that the uh like there's i mean i agree with you Eric. like the, the movie i think the movie isn't famous because of the flaws that that we brought up you know it's like it doesn't quite pull off the futurism it wants to pull off um and it needs more like totally coherent art direction and and sort of. I actually think that's the problem. I and I don't like being critical of movies in a sense, like because every time no, you make, I get it. that's yeah. a success for me right. because I've never directed a feature. So the point is that's a success. It's yeah. just that there is this thing where I really res 
it's almost like some directors are so brilliant. I mean, they put all the the art directors to just run with it. Right. Like the great directors I love are like, no, 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 no. This is kind of the, 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 the motif. These are the color schemes I'm thinking of. And, and that is what I really like a well, lot. Would you say that it's because like Jewison's a wonderful director of actors, really, really great. And He's it's clear. That he, actor, right. director. That's right. the and, thing. and I think that, that he, he does. Yeah, and I, and I don't. I'm. I don't know. I'm not looking at his catalog, but like, I don't think there's any real science fiction standouts in his filmography at all. This is a, this is the no. this is the outlier for him. And so his opinion of science fiction is probably like Did making two thousand one. I think yeah, Moon, I Moonstruck think was great. Uh, yeah, he's he's a great, great, great director. I think yeah, I sure. think he was trying to reach for a, a Pakula thing. Right. And then, you know, sci-fi is big at that time. And it, it definitely touches on a lot of these things where it could bring in audiences. So it's like, why not? So, yeah, he, he made it. I just, mean, when was THX 1138? Motifs, the smart directing motifs of the 70s. Right. And, you know, all the way, you know, like Flash Gordon. It was like, it was just so whiz kind of like, yeah. oh. Well, the thing is, I mean, even with Flash Gordon, like Flash Gordon has the right intention, you know, like in the and and I think it actually has a more coherent vision than um, than I'm talking uh, art directing, art directing. Yeah. Um, and the uh, yes, you're right. The art directing vision. Of, but it's still the materials. Like I say, you know, um, you know, uh, plexiglass. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's just like, oh, like uh, what you're saying, I agree with it. It's like every you can't just have some of it come together. You have to have it all come together through a single lens, right? And like the reason why like Kubrick is great at this stuff is that like everything gets uh the same level of treatment. Like everyone every he's thinking about every single aspect of the film. And here, like Jewison is thinking about um the realism of telling a sports story and this personal sports story and that's where his focus at, is on and so uh you know the the rest of it sort of slips out of his hands a little bit it's not bad you know it's like it's just that feel like compared to the like uh the the total belief i have in the game itself and with khan's friendship with the people that he's friends with like the when they're not on screen then it looks pierre cardin you know, like that's where it, that's where it gets a little uh, tissuey, you know, uh, by comparison. So I, t- I totally get what you're saying. Like, I don't think it hurts the film that bad. But um, uh, the reason why, I think the reason why it's probably not more famous is because, like, it feels awkward compared to the uh, uh, like 2001 does this flawlessly, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Well, and also keep in mind that, that the, the DP is Douglas Slocum. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. I mean, that's why all that stuff is shot so beautifully. Right. And I think that, like, I think what what you really need is like, it's like when I brought PT Anderson. It's just like Anderson knows how to, like, he's not trying to make a genre movie when he's making a genre movie. Like, he's treating every single shot as if it's part of the story itself. And so, yeah. like, he creates this. Yeah, exactly. So everything is quality things. Yeah. And and at that time, pardon me, look at the seventies is when really the process of the Lucite, how they can bend it and make furniture was really starting to go. So that was new. So it's almost like if you made a, you know, a science fiction film for the future and you put in a lot of, you know, you know, iPhones, you know, with three cameras and it's just like, it's just using a hook rather than it plays with the, the story. Uh, in uh, in the chat, I'm going to say Jesus Peso. I'm not sure. Uh, it says uh, sometimes it's called finish, as in carpentry. If the finish if the finish is uneven, the work seems cheap. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Like that's the there's a 
like it's it's too bad that this there's some films like this where it's just like this is a really good movie but you have to put up with a little bit of jankiness like it's just yeah, a touch of janky that design was very similar to sleeper but sleeper yeah. was comedy so you overlook that because it's not asking you to be immersed in that world 100% and believe well, the, the levels of reality match like like the goofiness of the forward story meets the goofiness of the background completely like sleeper would be uh, would be broken if the backgrounds were more realistic you know like it wouldn't it wouldn't play as well like you want everything yeah. to seem a little bit weird and you know like paper moonish in order for the for the joke to work you know and uh and this like they don't they don't quite quite get there um but like that's the like there's this and there's movies in the 80s there's a very similar uh thing called um the blood of heroes which is a uh indie yeah. sports science fiction film and it feels janky and it feels sort of like ripoff of mad max and like there's lots of stuff you can say against it but at the same time to get the core things right just like rollerball does where you're just like when they're playing the game like i'm completely by this thing like i totally totally buy it and all i need to do is buy into that everything else is just you know like it's okay that it's if they're going to be weak anywhere be weak in the uh, uh the science fictional production design give me this like this real story, this real sports story, then I'm in, you know? And I think with Rollerball, like it's better and better as the movie goes along. And like the, the ending sequence of Rollerball is fucking great. Like they end on such a great note. And like that they end on this fucking, this, this stone cold freeze frame. Like it's so, uh, like it's everything I love about the seventies in one, in one go. Like it's con, it's a freeze frame. It's like, oh, the, over, the, the, yeah, the last it, frame. Oh, it's so fantastic. It's so fantastic. So 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 basically uh um what happens in the second game against Tokyo is the game turns very much more even more violent and you start to realize oh shit this is much crazier than it should be. Um and um Moon Pie get, ends up getting uh they pull his helmet off and punch him in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty serious. Put, puts him into a coma. Right. Uh, but there's no penalties, so there's no consequences to their actions at right. all. Uh, James Conn does end up beating the crap out of someone, uh, and everyone is super happy, just like you know gladiators are when they see that kind of stuff, right? Are so there's a lot right? of similarities yeah. to Gladiator in this yeah. as well. That's if you right. Think about it. That's so, right. So the movie Gladiator. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, anyway, Moon Pie is now in a coma. They try to get him to sign off to you know let him die, and then uh, they d just refuse to do that. Or he refuses to do that and wants to take him back to his house, to his ranch. Um, at which point he refuses. Just another ad itself when he's on the horse. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you, know, an ad. you know what that, for some reason, that reminded me of uh, Reflections in a Golden Eye. Uh, yeah. yeah, like it had that, had that same sort of. Uh, I like, you're more a Kone, dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah, dun, absolutely. Dun, dun, dun. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally like it was cool it was cool like, but, like con, con looks like i i'm a i'm a fan obviously of con like con looks good on a horse like he looks cool on a horse in a way that you wouldn't expect him to and like i love this and i love him in um uh comes a horseman with james jane Fonda. yes like which is another richard farms that's right terrific terrific and a totally undervalued movie wow and uh, like i feel you like this pulled something from the reservoir man Dude, that movie is absolutely tip top. I love that. I love that picture. Love that picture. And nobody's seen that. Like that's. I think that's a. I think that's Pollock. Wow. I think that's Sidney Pollock. Pollock. One, yeah. One of those movies that disappeared for some reason. I love Pollock. Yeah, Pollock's great. Pollock's. I mean, like he said, he has ups and downs. 
is great. He's absolutely great. But yeah, like I, I really think because it's funny that um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, Parallax View came up because like Parallax View, when I think about that movie, like it does so much great work to convince you of this. Like the setting feels like it's reality, but it's not. It's actually kind of science fictional. Like, mm. and it, and he makes this all fit together. Like, uh, Pakula makes the whole thing work, and so you believe that movie at all levels, no matter how like essentially silly it is, uh, because the movie is like the whole gag of the movie is to draw you into the silliness, so you get trapped. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think that like when you watch like the way what's the building that you used to live next to that's in Parallax View. Oh yeah, yeah that's it, it's the courthouse now. Yeah, but that's on Sixth, uh, right by the Pilgrim School, by the church there. Right. Yeah. Right. And like that's the. Thing. Keep go going. Ahead. No, yeah, go ahead, please. No, it's a change. It's an ADD thing. So we'll do it after you say something. Oh, it's just gonna say like it's like that's the perfect use of a weird building. Well, like, they did that in this film, which right. is all based off of a lot of it was the BMW research stuff, as you'll right. see in the thing I sent you. Um, one of the things that I read in that book that I got for the holidays, mm-hmm. my family got me the um, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West right. book, which is like, bam. Yeah. Um, is good. that the theory that Quentin Tarantino says is that, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Death Wish. Oh, Bronson, yeah, Charles Bronson. Yeah. He's a ghost. He actually oh, died. Oh, I love that. I love that. I never thought of it that. That's great. Yeah, he's dead. That's why everything, he's always untouchable. He's always in the back playing a harmonica. He's never really there. Yeah, he's like a revenant. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's really it's super like, cool. That yeah, dude. I, I, yeah, it's, yeah. If you didn't get it, tell me and I'll bring it out uh, next time because it's, no, super it's mind blowing, dude. It's like, yeah. what the? It's a total different perception of that film. Um, and it really is a film that started a whole genre genre of filmmaking that we see to, to, today. And it still feels weird. When we watched it last week, it was just like, this, there's no movie that feels like this movie. It's just a crazy movie. Like everything about that feels like, like so you're a watching dream. a movie. Yeah, like I, th- I think you're watching. Whenever, whenever, we, uh, whenever I took a look at that movie, I'm just like, this feels like it's a movie from a different universe. It's like the most famous Western in a, in a different world. <laughs> Absolutely bananas. Absolutely bananas. Yeah. So uh, just to continue along the plot, uh, then he continues oh. in the real world and they go to a party, right? Uh, that's the, that was the thing. Was it before the Japanese, the, the Tokyo? Yeah, because they okay. haven't gone to Tokyo yet. They're celebrating before they do the they big go to Tokyo. To Tokyo okay. which is basically, oh, right. And he's pissed off. That's right. John Houseman's pissed just off. Painted the right. Right. Yeah. So it's a very luxurious, big white mansion house in the middle of nowhere, which happens to be in Germany, in Munich, right? In Munich. They filmed right. it. But it's beautiful. And everyone's dressed in very elaborate you know, party attire, uh, very seventies. The women are in very drapey clothes with no undergarments. Orgy yeah, of course, yes, right. Yeah, it's right. Very uh, uh, Caligula type clothing. Oh, right? totally. Yeah, yeah. And the men are all in tuxes, right? So very prom and proper put together. It's they all seem to be having a great time and having their stuff. They also seem to be implying that the people at the party are looking at 
the rollerball players as pieces of meat to be admired yes. and mocked yeah. <laughs> at the same yeah. time. Exactly. Right. Because like, uh, they're, they're talking about them like they're animals. Right. Like, yeah. Really wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. creepy. And so, so that's a little bit creepy. So uh, at which point Houseman has a conversation uh, upset. He's upset and has a conversation with, uh, Jonathan E that he needs to retire, you know, the same conversation that he needs to do. And it's uh, just doesn't decides not to do that. And then there's a completely random scene that happens, not random scene, the scene that happens outside. It is of everyone who's seen this movie. And it's mentioned several times in a chat already. Everyone seems to look so like that's the craziest thing that's ever seen is these people in these beautiful outfits are going outside and they've got this little, uh, revolver looking little gun that they have right and they start firing this gun at these giant trees in this meadow these huge pine trees there's like five or six of them in this thing six. And, right six of them and they fire and when the when they get to the tree the tree goes into a massive gasoline explosion yeah yeah fire look like cell phone towers though disguised as trees <laughs> yeah, like Could be. I don't know what like, it was. Those things By go the way, like there's crazy. one scene that we didn't talk about, Chris and Dan, is that before we go out to that scene where in the trees, yeah. Houseman has a meeting with James Kahn in there. And he talks to him and says, he says, you have to retire. Mm -hmm. And with the retirement money, you right. have to invest in Smith Barney. And right. that means <laughs> a real crossover. Like, it, it, That's right. The yeah. house, the Houseman verse. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I think uh, I think that you could use they that. The old-fashioned way. <laughs> what? You need to play the game the old-fashioned way. You need to earn it. Only <laughs> spends eight minutes saying uh. Earn. Earn it. Director's cut. Total mistake. Old ad for Smith Barney. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh. And Peter Carden. <laughs> Oh man, dude. Yeah. But yeah, so, like, go ahead. So, anyway, so they're, 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 they're that's a, a, it's an amazing scene, and it doesn't really need to be in the film, but somehow it does. Like, it totally does. It's my favorite of the movie because it's yeah. so strange. Yeah. Like, I think, I think what's wonderful about it is like, it, it takes, the, yeah, it takes it to the, to the, to 11. Right. And these trees are huge, by the way. They're, they've got to be like 150 feet tall, 200 feet tall, like big trees. Yeah. And these blow them up one by one. And they're going, yay, look yeah. at that. Let's, let me get another one. Yay. <laughs> yeah. And then they start fighting over the gun and the gun goes off and blows a hole in the ground. Right. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, well, let's <laughs> kill you. Oh, God, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Making, <laughs> that's, yeah, from, uh, from Jesus, uh, Baking cake the old-fashioned way, we burn it. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think that this, like this, this movie needs that scene. Like that's the anchor scene, right? In terms of like that is the it really is the statement of the movie. Like the mindset of the corporates that are doing this is so disgusting and like and insane. Like well, yes. they have to. They're yeah. just just morons. It's, they're taking well, violence and celebrating it in such ridiculous ways, right? right. Right. It, but it's it's really also kind of 
like really kind of excessive narcissistic it's really just shows what they are just total knuckleheads like you said yeah it's a wonder, it's a wonderful sequence and i think that like the there's something like it's it may be like it might be over the top but the movie i think the movie does need an over the top moment like that like it needs oh, something yeah. that's so like completely counter, fucking yeah, yeah to, to to really show the the you difference over the top over the top that's in the uh real world or not in the game world Yes, because exactly. the game world is itself is over the top, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So because it's a peer at the audience. Right. Who right. goes to see this crap? Well, these people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And I think that right. that's the there's there's something to like I almost feel because I agree with you, Eric. Like I think it would be great if you were if they were to pare down the explanation of how the corporate world dominates the earth and all this stuff, and just have a, a few sort of like things you can pick up and then show the tree scene, then yeah. I think I would, uh, then I'd be even more invested in the film. And then um, actually you would be more invested it. And there was a moment where he's just out on the patio drinking. It's almost like if you had him see them do that and shake his head, right? Like, God, like the connection of them to him. I then, think he's too dumb to do that. <laughs> he's a media. It's true. <laughs> I know the fact is he's just barely conscious like he's that's the thing about him right right he's not a very smart person he's very good at rollerball right but he's just barely trying to make sense out of what's going on and he's like starting to realize in the in, in the movie it's like there's something more to this right because john houseman gives him that whole speech in the locker room again he's just like he's like you know people of the world dream of being an executive where they have all the privileges that executives have etc cetera, etc cetera. You know what executives dream of being rollerball players, right? And yeah, right. you could tell even when he says that, that's a bunch of BS. He's just, yeah. you know, like trying to make them feel special, but they're yeah, exactly. not. They are, yeah. they are racehorses to him. They are racehorses. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, um, I, I think that's the, like, this really is a movie that sort of begs to be uh, remade with, you know, you put, uh, like, like, the way that, was pre-made with junk, right? Because it was just essentially made as a trash action film. Like this needs to needs to have that artistic touch that the burning you know trees sequence represents. I have about to say What's someone. That? Go ahead, tell me what your idea is. He's the guy that directed Drive. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love that guy. Yeah, Nicholas Winding Refn. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he could definitely pull it off. That'd be a, that's an excellent candidate. Oh, right, about uh, you, Chris. Ryan Gosling could play uh, the con character. Oh yeah, yeah, he's perfect. He he plays that kind of like minimal guy extraordinarily well. Like right. he does, that's that's his his perfect zone. Or know? Casey Affleck. Oh uh, yeah, Affleck. I, like I would say Affleck should be Moon Pie. <laughs> oh right, yeah. All right, and Dan Affleck plays the the other guy, and then Casey Affleck plays the crazy guy on top. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's it. We're, we're recasting yeah. it as we speak. It's and of course that's... directed by Villeneuve. Of course, would be. Of course, <laughs> just that's my automatic choice these days. But no, I really like the Nicholas Winding Refn choice. Is fantastic, and yeah. this also gives me a window to pimp my favorite thing I saw last year, which nobody saw, is the TV show that got canceled. They're all directed by Nicholas Winding Refn called uh uh too too old to die young which is on apple um, on amazon and it's absolutely incredible and the slowest thing that i've ever seen on television it's so slow to check it out. oh dude it's so beautiful and hilarious and scary and strange and it's uh it's i think i love slow but this is like 
this is this is really something else. The people are not prepared for how slow this thing is. Right. And it's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful film. But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Nicholas Winding Refn doing a science fiction picture with so I also want to see the burnt it. orange heresy. Right. Say again? I want to see the burnt orange heresy. The burnt orange heresy. It's a yes. new movie. No, I don't know anything about this. What is Mick this? Jagger. Don't know it. And uh, Donald Sutherland. What? What? Yeah. What is this? Hang yeah. on. And now I have to Google. I'm really embarrassed I, that I don't know what this is. All right. While you're Googling that, I'll, I'll, I'll keep going with the plot. There's All another right, thing that it. happened in, this, in the film, which is basically James Conn, like I mentioned, he's trying to look for some answers about what's going on or how things work. And he's, you know, he's obviously drugged up. Oh, and they basically, oh, the other thing is they keep giving them these drugs, right? They keep giving right. them pills. Right. Yeah. Keeps them subdued. Right. Uh, uh, so he's trying to figure out what's going on. He goes to a, I guess what it would be a library, but it's not a library. All the books have been summarized by the corporation, meaning basically censorship, right? Right. There is no information out there. So he tries to find out where are all the books. And he says, all the books, oh, the books, well, they're all being transcribed, et cetera, et cetera. They're in the computer banks. It's like there's a computer bank here. Of course, the biggest one is in Geneva, right? Right. And so after the Tokyo fight, he decides he's going to go to Geneva <laughs> to find out more information. And he yeah. goes into a computer room, which really looks very 70s. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, the yeah, cool it's like thing, guys, is it was like, it was really beautiful because the Lucite. You know, <laughs> of course, like very futuristic. Yeah, very futuristic. What's going to be funny is like in, you know, 2050. With bubbles, though. Lucite with bubbles is better. We're going to find out in 2058, everything actually is Lucite. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so anyway, the, the, uh, the uh, uh, they talk to uh, he talks to the the main man behind the computer who is played by Sir Ralph Richardson, right? Uh, and he's a over the top character as well, uh, right. completely over the top. Now there's a scene in there where he's like, "Oh, we accidentally lost the entire 13th century. Like, there's no more books or information on that. Well, right. That was a nice century. A couple of corrupt popes, and this happened. And yeah, good times. But." but uh, that scene there reminded me a little bit of Blade Runner 2049. Yes, it's the uh, mm. it's the bald guy. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely true. So there's there's a lot. I, I I'm wondering if there was an influence there. Or I not. think that Villeneuve has definitely seen Rollerball a, a number of times. That would be my guess. Yes. I, I felt the same way. I was just like, this is like there's there's no better way to see how far a civilization has fallen as to how they treat books Data. and data right and how and and how how useless all that stuff is uh and how changeable it all is like it's all like no we're just going to rewrite you know we're just going to rewrite it to fit whatever we need uh right. or like and uh and it, it has exactly the same tone in 2049 where it's just like well it's all been lost and nobody really cares anyway <laughs> you go, oh, right god it's horrible truly truly horrible right that's great. So, uh, so basically, he tries to ask, "What was the name of the computer?" He has a stupid name. What was the name of the big computer? Zero. Thank you. Thank you. Zero was the name of the computer because, of course, it, that was right. zero and zeros and ones. So, of course, they have to make that mm, right. interesting. But, yeah. So uh, then decided his memory is all in liquid form, which I thought was well, okay. That's pretty cool. Makes like for a good bubbles, uh, bubbles, the, the bubbles, and the circles, the circle. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Yeah, yeah. I was really hoping for more, but it was not. It was not. Yeah. Hey, 
you do, you can do, do, you can do. Yeah. That's all right. Uh, at which point the 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 zero refuses to actually give him the correct information about the corporate wars or whatever. So he's like, okay, I'm being locked out. So really that whole scene is not to actually reveal or tell you anything, uh, but to tell you that basically there's no way you're going to get this information. And that's how information is treated. So it was kind of right. an interesting scene. In Corporations controlling all information and in every way that you can possibly access it. Right. Is sort of accurate. <laughs> like, like Google today. Like that's actually what's happened 100%. Yeah. So they choose what goes on the front page. Uh, that's how it works. That's how it works. For, for good or for ill, that is exactly how it works. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, so anyway, the... <laughs> They then he then decides that he is going to go through with the uh, his 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 what oh they send his wife back the one he loves right mm -hmm. right the one he's been like I can't believe they took her away from me and she tries to convince him to quit and retire yeah, which said, is the ultimate betrayal you're like oh right <laughs> not even that was actually real it's right. all bullshit and then she, he says well you know. I'm going to, yeah, he doesn't say anything. He just does it, which they said, but you know, they're going to change the rules. There's going to be no substitutions and no time limit, which right. pretty much means it's not over until everyone's dead. Until they're all dead. <laughs> until they're all dead. And it's like, <laughs> That's right. and he's like, he's still going to go through with the game. Right. And it's the game against New York. That's the finale game. So it's the big name is like, okay, so no penalties, no substitutions, and no time limits. And it turns into like, and I, I actually really love this scene because he comes out of the bathroom by himself, right? And he's the captain of the team. Right. And he looks at all of his teammates and they all look at him like, we're all going to fucking die. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, yeah. And he's like, he doesn't say anything. Right. He just walks out. Yeah. He doesn't say anything to his teammates. He doesn't even care about his teammates in a sense, right? Yeah. He knows it's all about him. Ah, but there is a really good, okay, there's a couple of really great lines that I want to say, for, first of all, where they all decide they're going to make, Houseman decides he's going to get rid of them completely, right? And this is the re revelation of the whole point of this movie is he said, we created this game to demonstrate the futility of individual efforts. <laughs> <laughs> that is the point of the game, and that's why the corporations created it. If a player defeats the efforts to demonstrate that, they must lose. That is the whole point, right? Right, right. And so, uh, and that was a big thing about it. Like, so him, he needs to demonstrate the fact that he became so good at everyone's cheering for him as a person and not it's for the team. Unacceptable, right? Yeah. You have to cheer for the corporation. No one can actually make an individual change that's worthwhile. So you should right. accept your status quo. That's yeah. the whole point, right? And they, he also has a conversation with his wife in the woods, which was also fascinating, because they have a discussion about how everyone is actually happy and comfortable and that the whole point of civilization is to end poverty <laughs> right. and that everyone is comfortable. And he goes, no. The point of civilization is freedom and that we've lost, right? It's freedom above poverty. That's the kind right. of the thing that's right. going on. Right. Uh, and so that's where the, 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 the whole, the, the, the political 
slant on this is the highly anti-corporation anti-capitalism uh, yeah and i think it's a, I mean, it's a very it's a very interesting point because like i think that like we are like i'm you know as i've said many times like i'm an extremely liberal guy and uh like we'll I, get to, and it's, which uh, we'll get to yeah um but uh but yeah like you like it does uh uh like the goal the goals of you know how we build the, these systems like are it's it's really interesting and this thing like the way that rollerball talks about it you're just like okay so if everyone is absolutely provided for what happens you know and like like what happens to uh like you like because you're unless you start like genetically modifying yeah like like it, like it really you have to start wondering like how does that like how do we change as a species once that happens because if you can't keep on having you know james cons <laughs> like james yeah. cons gonna break that system that's gonna be terrible right you know and uh and uh, you know like i think that all uh all super future science fiction when it sort of imagines like whether the computers take over or whatever it is like they uh they all come up to trying to ask that question but then they don't really uh follow it through i think that uh rollerball is the most clear-minded statement of that puzzle like and they just sort of say it in that one line and right. there's no answer to it you know there, there's no real answer to that problem um uh because like it makes you the way he says it is like it, it makes you uh wonder what he like what is it that he means by freedom like what does that right. mean because like freedom like if freedom also means people suffer then is that worth it you know, and that's the tension that's going on between these two, two ideals. And it's, it's right. like, I, I love when things are put bluntly and then the, the, he doesn't do any work to solve it at all. So like, here it is. Think about that one. Anyway, yeah. back to rollerball. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like it's really, really great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll get to some of the politics behind it. Mm -hmm. But there's a big statement that gets made in a big bundle in a couple places in this film. And it was really it's pretty good. Right on you. Yeah. I agree. Right, on you. right. And so, uh, you know, we, the fact they said we designed this game to like, it has an actual purpose in society beyond just entertainment and distraction. Right. right which it's, is what, what he's saying, what he's saying about capitalism itself. Right. right. It's right. like, we like the, it is not designed to, uh promote a permanent winner it's to promote uh constant like like every like you can always try to struggle to get to the top but the concept of being on top gives you too much power and so it's like it's uh like it keeps on grinding everybody through the gears of this infinite fight um mm. And, uh, and so like, there's no way to, there's no way to win. And the whole way the game is advertised is you could be the winner, you know? And when, oh, when the, the game is the hope that you're the winner, the hope that you're the winner. And right. like, that's the, uh, that's basically the American dream. It's just a land like, of opportunity. Right. And so like, if you just work hard enough, then you can be on top and have everything. Right. And right. that's not actually true. If you, if you try to live your life like that, it's not going to work, you know? Uh, and, uh, and what it, what it does produce is an awful lot of people working extremely hard for no money their entire lives and then dying, <laughs> you know, like that's, right. that's what that system is very good at. It's the uh, promise of hope and opportunity that right. keeps the drive going. Right. right. And so it, it, it's, it's entirely actually, hinged on that. If you actually succeed that, then people are rooting for the six, the, the person that succeeded and not, you know, 
Well, I don't know. I don't, it was a very interesting message. There's a very yeah, interesting. Well, you don't, you don't want to give give people that much hope. Right. right, right. <laughs> you don't want to see yeah. people actually. Right. You don't want to give an example of actual success. Right. Like, that's a bad idea, because then everything is going to crumble. You know? Right. And I think that's the that's what's fascinating about this movie is like it may be ham handed in certain things, but like its ham handedness and its bluntness comes into uh, like uh, it's it's really it's like because it's so blunt, it makes it uh, tricky to think about. And that's what I really appreciate about it. It's like there's a there's a poetic bluntness to the way that it's stated, and that's unlike any other movie. Because right. I like when when you get to that ending scene, like like I said, like when it freeze frames on Khan Khan's face, like I don't know what happens after that point. No, like, like I was just like, well, first of all, he looks so angry. It's yeah. Awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's disaster. Like that's disaster. Like the next thing that happens is disaster. Right. You know. Yeah. And this is what I wanted to have happen, and now I'm like, uh, wait. <laughs> like I'm not sure. Where, where, where do I go from here? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, 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 no and that's actually kind of a, a, a really great thing. Anyway, so the the game plays for the last game, and you know that there's no penalties, no substitutions, and no time limits, and it very quickly turns into a complete bloodbath, right. where there's just total murder. Right. crappy you know and and the score is zero zero no one's actually playing the game they're just beating the shit out of each other right and then at the end and and it's very well shot like we mentioned mm -hmm. before it's, it's actually one of the better shot ones uh and it is very hard to watch um and even the people that are trying to take the bodies off the, the on the stretchers off the off the uh uh, the field are getting beat up. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, just, it's mayhem, pure mayhem. mayhem, mayhem, and very scary, right? Uh, and then the only there's only three people left on the game, and that's Jonathan, Jonathan E, right, mm -hmm. and two of the uh, New York players, one on a motorcycle and one uh, uh, on roller skates, and uh, on skates. So one guy on roller skates shows up, and then. Uh, and by the way, Jonathan is pretty beat up himself, so he's not doing too well. Right. Uh, and he he goes and he he lands himself right in front of Houseman Houseman's position in the in this in the uh, in the scenery. The New York guy tries to come over to beat him up. He catches the New York guy and he kills him right in front of Houseman, very yeah. gladiator style, right? <laughs> like right then and there, takes him, beats him up, kills him right there. He does the same thing with a motorcycle guy, mm -hmm. right? At which point now the entire stadium that is normally just going crazy and they're all beating each other up. Everything is mayhem, right? They all fall completely silent. And they all they say in slow whispers is Jonathan. Jonathan, Jonathan. yeah. Which is, I remember that scene. Everyone says that. That's what you say after you see this movie. You say it over and over and over again. It's Jonathan, like, Jonathan, but, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and it's a little creepy, right? Am I wrong? It's, it's a little exactly. creepy, it's a little but creepy. it's also the ultimate answer to Houseman's thing. We designed it so no one would succeed. And right. clearly, Jonathan not only succeeded, he finished the game. The game is over from that. It yeah. has no point anymore. It has right. absolutely no point. The entire game is futile. He broke the system. He broke right. the system. Yeah, absolutely. Like, is that, like, all of it hinges, all of capitalism in the film hinges right. on rollerball working. Right. You know, and because rollerball essentially is capitalism. That's what the right. movie is trying to get across. Right. And uh, James Kahn is like, you know, he's, you know, it's like uh, the prisoner with, you know, I'm not a number of a free man, you know. Right. And uh, like, if, uh, like, all in the prisoner, like, the entire island is about the prisoner. 
Like the whole island exists because it's designed to keep the prisoner as the prisoner. Like that's the whole thing. And the same is true for rollerball. Like you can't be anything else, but you like, this is the, this is the place you have to serve in order for the entire system to work. And so once James, so you root for James Khan, and once he breaks out of the system, you feel a triumph, the personal triumph of breaking out of that system. But the moment he does it, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> well, yeah. It's kind of like when the guy gets out in 1138, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, well, what now? <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do now, buddy? Exactly. And I think that that's, that's, that's the greatness of, uh, like, I mean, um, sci-fi tries to tackle this in, you know, every, every third science fiction film has some element of this. Right. Um, but I think uh, there's something so, you know, brutal about the way Rollerall frames it that you can't see it any other way. You're like, oh, this is a bad idea. <laughs> like, it's, like, you know, like all of this is a terrible idea. And it's, uh, it's really exciting. Because you know, I think that like, there's, uh, you know, like, you know, Matrix is anti-corporate, you know, and it has its metaphor to do that. And, you know, like, you, you know, even like Star Wars is anti, like, it's not anti-corporate, but it's anti, you know, um, massive technological oppressor system and all that stuff. But like, you, it, there's, it's rare when you come out of a film feeling like you really heard a very strong philosophical statement and uh, rollerball is 100% that. Right. This seems just against the system. Yeah. But I just felt like what, how did the system suffer? It was hard for me to grasp a little bit. Well, because the, like, because everything, everyone is like, everyone is so inspired by Jonathan. Like they all want to be Jonathan. Like they're obsessed. They're all knuckleheads because they burn trees. Well, this is true, right? But that's well, the no, like no, I, no, 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 no. The executive burned the trees, right? Yeah, but the, the fans, they're they're are, not, the fans are not the executives. The fans I are know, the rest of the that are control. Like if everyone becomes Jonathan, then the world, from the corporate point of view, the world will be destroyed. They yeah. should have had more fans to get to know them. Do you know what I mean? The tree burning thing for to understand the rich, the the, the executives. We needed something to show the fans. Like, sure, you know, sure, I get some it. sort yeah. of relationship, and I'm I'm wondering if they just thought the moon pie and the team camaraderie is enough to settle that. Well, you know, the the reason why it works for me is because I'm the fan. Like, as I, I didn't need to see other fans. Like, I'm the one who's psyched for James Con. It's good, like, point, I'm, yeah. you know. Like, I'm the I'm the one who's convinced by the movie, and so like I, at the end, I'm like, you know, I'm the one. I'm I'm totally fucking psyched. Like, I, we got. I want to be that guy. And then the yeah, they, they, and they, they, you become a fan from when you watch the first uh, 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 fight, or not the first the first uh, match, right? Right, right. In the beginning. You're like, oh, I'm a fan of this. This looks awesome. This looks fucking great. Right, exactly. Roller skates. And Do you right. think Rocky took from this at all? I, I think that they probably served as an inspiration for a lot of uh, stories like that. I mean, like uh, Alvinson's a good director, but like if he's in the same ballpark as Jewish in terms of like his tone and style and character, I'm sure that he was, he would be, uh, he probably saw this thing and, uh, and probably felt a little bit of it. And, and Rocky is a much more complicated movie than Rocky has given credit yeah. for, you know, oh, yeah. it's, a, you know it. it's, a, it's a really, really good film, but well, it's Rocky came out like a year or two later. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's there's yeah. a yeah, it did. Can you it was guys 76. hear me? Yeah, I can hear. Can you hear me? No, Rocky yeah, yeah. is Rocky is 76, 77, and this is whatever it was. Seventy. What did you say to Dan, Chris? He's not here anymore. <laughs> oh my God, you guys! <laughs> do you have to do that, Eric? <laughs>
<laughs> you know how much I'm struggling with technically keeping this thing going. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, was, I also want to call out again from um, uh, uh, hey, Jesus. Uh, Star Wars is pro-terrorist uh, and free, freedom fighter. You're absolutely right. Uh, because are, yeah. George, George, George Lucas, actually, he's gone on record saying, because George Lucas was actually the guy who wrote uh, the original draft of Apocalypse Now. Right. Yes. And so he was he was very wound up in saying something about the Vietnam War. And he wanted to make Star Wars. And he said this, that he wanted to make Star Wars to, as an example of what it would be like to be uh, the Vietnamese being invaded uh, by America. And so the, re the, the, re the rebellion in, in Star Wars for him was, you know, uh, the Vietnamese. And which is very, very similar. And we brought this up before with War of the Worlds. Like this is H.G. Wells' treatise with um, War of the Worlds because he wanted to show... Um, Englishman, what it would be like to be in, uh, colonized in the way yeah. that uh, India yeah. had been colonized by the English. Now, I think this is, it's a really great format. Uh, science fiction handles that that metaphor particularly well, obviously, because it can make it so entertaining that you barely notice the message. You know, like you don't have to have people um, like expounding on stuff. Um, you know, about, about the the corporate meaning of stuff, um, and. Uh, and, and when you have something like rollerball, that's what we were saying earlier. It's just like it almost could do with a little less explanation because yeah. it punches so hard in the end. Like yeah. I want to be as whipped up as much of a fan as I can be um, because I'm watching a sports movie. And then taken uh, and then taken by surprise at the end. Yeah, exactly. Because like, the still frame at the end of Rollerball makes me feel the same way as the the extra long uh, few seconds at the end of um, uh, what do you go The Graduate. You know, right. where you're like, you're just like, yeah, they fucking got together and yeah, they're on the bus and they fucked the wedding. And yeah. And then it goes on for 20 more seconds. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> the <Yeah. end. laughs> you know, yeah. And uh, it's 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 such a powerful way to do it. And I think that like you think Jewison like didn't realize the effect the action scenes had since he's more of an actor's director until he saw the edit or thinking of the edit, because, you know, he had these things to explain and the exposition I talked about. It's like, I'm wondering if he's like, was like, Oh my God, these action scenes help tell my story a lot more than I realized. I, I would hope they would Jeepers Creepers. Those things are the heart of the movie. And I think that like, there's yeah. a, like, that's the thing is like, I, I think that with, uh, you know, and this is true with uh, the movie gladiator as well, which I like. And like, I do like, too. Uh, like it's like the gladiator works particularly well and works best when it is a gladiator movie. Like it's making its best political points when it's not being a political movie. Like it's uh, because it's like, it's getting you on board with being an audience mm -hmm. member. And, yeah. uh, and that's how it both wins you over and sort of points the finger at you simultaneously. And uh, I, I think that it's a, that's the most effective way to tell this kind of a story. Um, like is you want to be sort of unconscious as to how your, your culpability in what the, what the statement is. Right. You know, and because we're all part of the corporate machine, right? And we don't ask ourselves the hard questions of like, you know, we all feel really good about like, it's like, for instance, um, a very popular, super popular um, revolution film is uh, V for Vendetta, right? And uh, I, I think it's a pretty good movie. It's a very fun movie, um, but it's a it very, is. to me, very shallow version of the, of the of the of the of that kind of story and of the comic itself because the comic actually is asks very hard questions about what the fuck you're trying to do and um and to me it's a little irresponsible to sort of say don't worry we're gonna have a revolution where nobody gets hurt 
you know, like it's a revolution. Like everybody's going to get hurt. <laughs> like right. It's a really fucking dangerous thing to be doing. And you need to uh, see how similar you are to the people that you're trying to overthrow. So you can do your best to not be like that. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and I think that movies often miss the, because when people have very strong political ideologies that back their storytelling, it's hard for them to resist being really obvious about what they want your state, what they want you to agree with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, it's not a very effective way to tell a story or to make a point to me, because like the most effective stuff is when I, when I get t- sort of not tricked, but like, like I am culpable in my own um, deception. You know, when I go, Oh shit, I, now I see the problem because I'm part of it. You know, and uh, I think that that's the they 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 do that very well in the last half of Rollerball, and I think they could do a greater film if they were if they were less interested in explaining the clever mechanics of how you know the corporate wars work. Yeah, and uh, get me just just get me right on board with that thing. Yeah, you know? right. Oh, so Museman um, was it Museman who was it? who who just put that up there. Uh, yes, Museman put up uh, a, a, a best freeze frame uh, endings of any mo- any film. <laughs> <laughs> There's some good ones, man. Like so, uh, number ten is Thumb and Louise. Yeah, that's good. Number, one. That's good. number nine, Butch Cassidy's Sundance Kid. Oh, that's. that's I would put that higher than nine. Way higher than nine. <laughs> yes. uh, higher than nine. Uh, Goodfellas, The Body in the Trunk. Number eight. Yep. yep. Uh, number seven, Rocky three. Oh yeah, sure. Okay, I buy that. Yeah. Uh, number six, Harry Potter. I don't know about that. There's a freeze frame in Harry Potter. Yeah. Should I maybe I should see that. Maybe. Uh, Death Proof. <laughs> oh um, yes, the one of the all-time great freeze frames. That yeah. the ending of Death Proof is top three yeah. for sure. Absolutely yeah. top three. Number five and number four. This is a classic. A Breakfast Club. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, number of course. three, Pulp Fiction. Yep, great one. Uh, uh, number two, woman on the verge of a nervous, nervous break breakdown. Like them. Uh, and number one is uh, yeah. uh, four hundred blows arrival at the beach. That's the best one. Oh, yeah. That is the that is the all time great freeze frame. I was gonna I was gonna bring it up if they didn't say it. Like, yeah, but uh, I think Butch Cassidy is that, that's number two for me. Like that's, that, like, two, that's way up there for me. Yeah, like both both of the similarity between four hundred blows and Butch Cassidy is that both of those freeze freeze frames uh, are the entire movie in a single frame right like it's the whole goddamn thing and and you you get to rewatch the entire movie in your mind from that kid looking back at when he runs up to the sea and looks back at you you go oh shit that's it that's it and i would uh and we're going through that whole list i would say i would put rollerball up there i would i would say that's that probably beats Velma and louise for me uh and uh and a couple of the others like uh i'd have to investigate rocky three i don't remember that one but uh, but that's I, I mean, love. Does Invasion of Body Snatchers have one? It, no, it zooms up into a kind of. It does a process zoom, uh, yeah. so it, it does freeze, but not totally actively freeze. What like if we had a process zoom film festival? Well, I'd be happy to do that because oh, all all films with process zooms are great. <laughs> the secret Venn diagram: if you have if you're doing a process zoom, you're making an incredible film. That's just the truth. <laughs> But yes, yeah, like I, I think that especially in, uh, you know, lately, thanks to um, the the, la- the now nearly obsolete administration, there have been there's an, uh, been a lot of stories and a lot of movies that uh, um, 
have political uh, things to say in mind. Uh, and uh, as as usual, the things that say them the, the, the loudest are the ones that are the least effective. And uh, whereas the stuff that really sticks around is stuff that it occurs to you how political that was. And yeah. uh, and it reveals it's things about you properly. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, because it doesn't insult, it doesn't try to sell you. Exactly. You you, you know have to mean? convince yourself is how that has okay. to work. That's the only way. Only way. And you can you can make really in, intense. I mean, the thing is, I mean, even for all the presidents men, we talked about it before, but it's just like all the presidents men is like it. It doesn't even bring Nixon into it. Like he's mm-hmm. he's a he's just a force out there. It doesn't matter. Nixon's yeah. like, they're not, yeah. it's not like an anti-Nixon. It's just, he's a, yeah. Exactly. Who gives a shit? It's about these guys trying to accomplish something. And so it's very hard not to get behind them because you're into it. Like you just yeah. want them to fucking do it. Well, even right? In the title, it's not about Nixon. It's about all of his men. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's all these little hurdles that they have to, it's about pushing through all these little challenges and that's how you succeed. And, uh, and for them, like all the president's men burning trees stuff is Hal Holbrook as the, uh, as uh, deep throat. Like that's where it gets like almost a spy movie, you know? And you're like, okay, well, if that's as far as we go, then that's cool. And you right. need that element in there to remind the audience of how intense the threat really is. But you right. can't do any more than that. You know, burn the trees. And that's really all you need. Like, I got, I got more of a picture of that society oh, yeah. from that one single sequence than any that's other the, part yeah. of the film. You know? And it doesn't matter. In fact, I like that the actors are not actors. You know? Like, I like that they're fakes. You know? And they're just a bunch of idiots that they, you know... That are that were given yeah, a toy gun. Worked. It still is Pierre Cardin ad. I know oh, what you're saying. I'm sold, but it's still it's kind of a Pierre Cardin ad. But I think that's more production rather than yeah. Um, no, I hear you for anything sure. else. And yeah. uh, I don't want to harp on that, but yeah, it's definitely. I definitely. Uh, I think there's a Pakula in there too yep. when you watch this, and because uh, Pakula does that kind of, um, you're almost scared a little bit. Oh yeah, God! Man, you know what I mean? Pakula, the top of the game. Like Pakula, feel like uh, Pakula, like you take uh, Clute and uh, and Parallax View and uh, and all the presence men. Like uh, especially especially Clute, like feels like you're. It feels like a funeral. Like you yeah. realize that you're at a funeral, and it's it's just like his the tone and strength that he brings to the coherency of his worlds is yeah. outstanding. It's just outstanding. And the way he builds it in mean, all the presence of men, yeah. how he builds the environment of the paper, Chris. like that, that feels like a whole world. Jeff, just to, to have my own ADD moment, you guys, you guys know the Charlie Theron J'adore ad, the, the, you know, what I'm talking about. No, the Pierre, it's a perfume commercial, right? I don't know this one. Oh, it's very famous. Very famous. It's it's Dior, you know, it's Christian mm-hmm. Dior perfume commercial. And she's absolutely stunning and it's gorgeous. And she's coming out of the water. She's naked. They, of course, shoot it perfectly so you never see her nudity. Right. Et cetera, et cetera. And it's got this very sensual gold look to it. Well, someone made a deep fake version of it where they replaced... <laughs> Charlie Theron's face with uh, Roland Atkinson. Oh my god! <laughs> and it is <laughs> so funny. It is so funny. I just got to just look up, you know, Mr. Bean 
uh, Mr. Bean and J'adore. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. When did this come out? Oh my God, I don't know. A, a while ago. It's not a great deep fake, but the point it doesn't comes need to be. Doesn't need to be. That doesn't gets the point across. That's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, really good. Uh, so, so listen. This is uh, this is a. I don't. I was. I always get you know because we've been doing this a lot. Where suddenly I'm watching films from the seventies and eighties, which I really enjoyed uh, in my in my youth, and I'm always terrified that they're not going to be as good as they I thought they were. This there was definitely like some of the writing in this was definitely a little weak right and there's sure, a, right. They, it, there was some problems but i still think it had a pretty darn good story to it and i think it was a you know pretty oh, yeah. thing uh yeah. it, it had some it it, it it could go through a different a, a remake that would be amazing in some ways or an adaptation or something it's based off a short story right then yeah yeah that uh yeah uh, my friend um uh, uh, Rich Sullivan pointed that out. I didn't know this until like just before we started, so I didn't get a chance to read it. But I guess it was a, uh, I think it was in Sports Illustrated. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna look that up and read it. I'm not sure, but yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, and Dave 3D said uh, that basically he on the Blu-ray version extras, Khan said that because everyone knew the rules of the game so well, uh, that after principal photography was done, the actors and stunt people actually tried to play the actual game, like let's try to actually do this. And it said it lasted uh, cool. about 11 seconds before everyone realized it was completely nuts and they're all going to get really hurt. They're all going to get really hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Now let's get some uh, motorcycles. Yeah. And, uh, and, and a steel ball that gets <laughs> shot out of a cannon. And, and, oh, my God. It's insane. Yeah, that is that's really something. But you really look at that. If you think about it, if you really look at it, they really thought the game through. Like the the the, the rules of the game yeah. make sense, you know. Oh, it's great! It's great. Yeah, and like I said, I, I highly recommend people checking out uh, the Blood of Heroes with Rucker Hauer, which has a game called uh, Juggers in it, and it's a post-apocalyptic, basically a post-apocalyptic football movie. And mm -hmm. it is that it's another one of these things where you're like, well, that kind of works. <laughs> I would totally watch that. Right. I would totally buy that. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One hundred percent, dude. One hundred percent. Yeah, there are very few movies that uh, think that hard about uh, uh, fictional games. You can usually just gloss over that stuff. But Rollerball goes the extra mile. Right. Rollerball, like I'll tell you this, like Rollerball feels well thought out compared to like Quidditch. <laughs> oh, <but laughs> Quidditch doesn't make any sense. Quidditch doesn't like, make any freaking sense at all. Like, it's like, like really. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Everything goes to zero if you catch this one little ball. Everything. So why play? The only why thing you'd want to do is get the gold ball. Yeah, like that's it. There's no game at all. It's just get the goddamn gold ball. <laughs> Worst idea for a game ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand that one. Can't help you. Can't help you. <laughs> yeah. And I did love the sound of the ball, the steel ball going into great. the into goal. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's good yeah. sound design. Magnets holding it in. It's awesome. Yeah, that's some good business right there for sure. Yeah. And, and I really also remember the scene where you know that thing gets shot out of cannon. The first time it's like someone's head's gonna get stuck in that thing and it's gonna get hit by that. Yeah, by right. that. they do. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. awesome. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good it's a good piece of work. I would say, like you know, I agree with you, Eric, that it's like it's not an A plus. But it's this, it's sort of a secret A plus. Like I think that it's like one of these movies that if people don't know about this movie, like yeah, you got some 
you got some hiccups to deal with. It's not going to yeah. be perfect, you know, um, but that's I think, okay. And think the 2002 version, may, some people may have known about that and say, oh, that's a terrible movie. They may not know that like this, hey, this 75, the original version is actually pretty interesting. And people, yeah, it's quite it. good. It's and quite it's good. More and... than just the game. The game is great, but yeah. there's much more to it than just a game. Yeah. Here's, and does James Conn show up in the the remake just as kind of a cameo as like a vendor or something? Oh, I didn't even I couldn't even bring myself to do it. I was just like, yeah, oh, like OJ was in it. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like a bad idea through and through. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hey, is there a way? Um, I need to let's see. Is there a way to have my audio play um, if I play something on my computer that everyone in the in the stream could hear it? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. If I go to OBS Ninja and we go to what is actually playing, uh, let's see. If I go here and I say your audio source, uh, oh, I see. Okay, you can pick your audio source and it probably just gives you your microphones, it doesn't tell you. Yeah, let's take a look because um, a friend of mine did um, send uh, a link to a uh a radio sound check that has a great rollerball ad uh, that I was, I thought was really fantastic. My friend Jim Cole uh, said that he wanted to see if we could get it on air. I think we're probably not going to be able to get it on air, but we'll put it up. I heard it. You played it earlier. Did I? Yeah. You were playing in the background before we went on the air. Wow. How did you hear it? What did we do? Is it the organ? Yeah. Hang on. Let's see. I heard it in the beginning and while you were just there. Right. Can you hear that? Do it again. I'm doing it now. It's not coming through. That's too bad. Because yeah, your I'd... thing's muted. Maybe that's it. Here, uh, sorry, everybody. Let me take two seconds to figure this out. Uh, no, I heard it earlier. I'm going to, um, I'm, 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 with apologies to Jim for not being able to get this up, I'm going to make a little um, YouTube video and I'll put it up for people and I'll put it on Twitch. Uh, oh, well, Jim, is there a link you can put? Oh, no, there's no link. There's no link. I'm gonna, but it's uh, it was just a sound file, and now I'm gonna render this out. Maybe I'll even get it rendered out and put it up on YouTube. Okay, put it up on YouTube, and then put it up on tw- on our t- on our Twitter. Twitch stream. Our- yeah, we'll do that right now. All right. So I'm I'm going to be doing that. Please uh, continue. All right. All right. So uh, we we do have some things we need to address uh, specifically. A couple mm-hmm. of conversations that we had, uh, and. Uh, because Dan is trying to do the YouTube thing, uh, I want to bring up a couple of uh, uh, a couple of points on our All the President's Men and Idiocracy episode. The first one is uh, from uh, a longtime fan of Martini Giant, a good friend of ours, uh, and he is actually a, a journalist, a, a pretty reputable journalist, and uh, he had some points to make about your thoughts eric on the whole hunter biden thing do you remember that email (laughs) yeah i read it i i actually you know i I read it and i understand his uh, you know he's obviously respected journalist but i part of it was like um i understand what he was saying that he basically was saying that because there was no verification for that um, about his whole thing. It was being chopped around by Giuliani. No right. major news organization published that prior. Right. And that's true. But he was also under a f- federal probe as of August. And a lot of people knew that. 
So as a journalist, if you knew that he was under a federal probe, Hunter Biden. They did know that, though. They did. In August, they knew he was under a federal probe. People in Washington absolutely knew. I knew he was under federal probe in August from uh, Zero Hedge. Right. Okay. But so the point is, have, I understand. It's very difficult as a journalist, right? You have to you have to figure this out. And this was brought up in all the president's plan. You know something is incorrect or some, some information is out there. Uh, you cannot report it unless it's verified. But if you don't report it, you have a, if and you're sitting on this information, that's also irresponsible, right? Because not reporting it is almost as bad as reporting it or, or reporting bad information, uh, especially if you know that it's true. I think that they published stuff on the knucklehead orange hair in like the peen thing. That was so ridiculous. Who would believe that? You know, that was my, my thing. It's like stuff has been published on um, Trump that is never came to light, even before it was verified, tax returns and stuff like that. So it's like, well, what's the line? That's my point. It's there is there's stuff on Trump that's been reported that's been verified, though. A lot of no, stuff. But his tax returns were not verified and the and New York Times published them. So what's the line? Do you know what I mean? That's that's goes back to my point. Like n there was a total blackout on Hunter Biden. And, you know, there was a lot on him already. So I, I don't know. I, it's a real. Uh, there was a lot of stuff on Hunter prior to the August revelation. So I, I don't know what the answer is for that, but I just feel like uh, there is a thing that, look, I, honestly, and I say this, Chris, it's a real fine line now, but I actually think all this problem, all the problems we're facing right now, um, I don't think with Biden, it's going to go away. I think, I think journalism, I think journalists will be targets. I do. I think there's going to be a lot of frustration in this country coming up. I think there's going to be a lot of economic problems and I think they're going to take it out on journalists. Right, because journalists are not going to give people don't necessarily want the information that's out, that's there. They also want information that supports their cause. That's well. That's basically what people want. I mean, that's right. what that's, that's, right. that's, that's that's more or less what what, and the, it's, what the business it's, is. Politicians are don't you're right. not going to have the accessibility and retribution accessibility to a politician as you would to um, news organizations and so forth. Look, they already they just vandalized Pelosi and Mitch McConnell's place, right? Right. But I think. You're going to start seeing New York Times, other journalists being targeted. And it's this, this, this line because you're going to see people who say, why was the blackout on Hunter Biden? You know, why do people don't feel in control of their news or it doesn't matter if you're a Republican, Democrat or independent like myself. There is a lack of control of something that people feel. Do you know what well, I'm saying? Yeah, I think that, and this is, a, I mean, I'm, I, I don't have a position on the Hunter Biden thing, but I, I, I do feel that people have forgotten what the usefulness and reality of uh, journalism is. And, uh, and we are more than happy to uh, sort of take stuff that supports our views. And the fact that it supports our views means it's true. Uh, and that, that corporations and politicians know that and that's how they leverage it. Like that's that is the that's the common state of everything today. Like nobody does a lot of fact checking on the thing that they're going to post on Facebook because 
they're just posting it as a slap to somebody else. They're not posting it like and if with consideration as like, no. would you please read this? Right. It is it's only meant as a headline weapon so they can establish their own point of view. And well, the thing is that what from so many of the articles, especially headlines, headlines are so bad these days. Yeah. The they're, they're, they're the made for they make you believe you're like, oh, we're gonna tell you this. And at the end of the article is like, yes, but that's not really true. It's like, right. but you told me in the headline that it was true. Right, and th that's that's the thing is like the uh, that uh, that has become like we're all fine with it because there's actually there's a uh, there's a there's a well, I forgot what the term is, but you know like there's uh, like when people say there's you know like little white lies right like it's just like lies that are not necessarily damaging but you know we agree to them anyway and you know because they might have a positive effect generally and all that kind of stuff. There's also a thing that um, that they call blue lies, and this is when they talk about this is sociology. And uh, and blue lies are when you know that something is untrue, but you repeat it anyway because it supports your team or your family or your side or your politics. Like, right. so you have people that are that are like consciously not thinking hard, like making the decision to not think hard about stuff, um, just so they can use these you know, whatever the report. I mean, like this, it could be very good journalism. You know, it could be from the New York Times or Wall Street Journal or wherever. Um, but it, all they're interested in is, is putting a, like, posting a clickable uh, uh, headline that verifies, in quotes, what they're saying. Even mm -hmm. if the, even if uh, the content of the article says the opposite thing, it doesn't make any difference. No one's going to read it. Like, they didn't read it. They're just putting the, the thing up. And, uh, and everyone, like, that has not just become a problem it's become like a problem in terms of like, that's how we work as readers today, but it's a problem in that um, politicians and corporations completely understand that that's how it works and they feed into it. Like that's the tool they use to manipulate public opinion. Mm -hmm. And it's always been true, right? Um, like this has been true, you know, for a hundred years, ever since newspapers printed newspapers. But the main difference is, is that when it comes to like, you know, publishing things, you know, quote, publishing things on Facebook or Twitter is like that a uh, hundred years ago, um, you know, you still had people you know, like there was a newspaper and you would read something in it and then you'd have an interaction with it. But the way it works now is we treat Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff as if they are newspapers or as if they're news outlets. Right. But the writers for those news news outlets are us. Right, like and it's not they're they're not journalists. We're not accountable the, for anything. We're not like it's Dan Thron. Like he's worse, not a journalist. Even worse is that they'll sometimes use news articles to support their cause. Exactly. exactly. But the news articles, no one actually reads. In fact, most people just make comments on the headline and right. say, "Here's what I believe that article says," having never read it. Right. And, I mean, and, and to and to, and to bring this on to myself, the like, reason I the article not... is written the way it is, and the title is written the way it is, specifically is designed for someone to share it. Cell phone. They want right. people to click on the article yes. because all they, they want is the clicks. The money. That's advertising. They need the money. Yeah, that's that. And so, like the, this, this criticism goes across the, the entire Chris? political range. Yeah. Okay, you could still hear me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, can still hear you too. Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. I kept. They were all good. A second no. um no 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 um yeah i i just i feel like um 
I think also, you know, there was a one example, and I don't want to get us, Chris, you can stop me if you want. But do you remember, guys, when I was buying masks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I was buying masks January 28th. Yep. January 28th. Yeah, absolutely. To a pathologist on YouTube who has been censored by YouTube now, saying if they are locking down the city of Wuhan, that's like locking down New York City. That's, that's a serious thing. That's like, this is a pandemic. Right. And I bought masks. It's funny. I went to Home Depot to buy masks and a plane, I told you guys, like a, a forklift came mm-hmm. with the masks, the N95s, and about eight Chinese uh, P, uh, guys and one girl bought the whole platter. Because they understood what was happening. And I was like, can I have some? And they gave me five boxes. Six boxes. And I was like, cool. Thanks, guys. And they weren't wearing masks. And But the point is, I would go to the news. It wasn't until, like, March, right? Of course. I mean, because that's another thing. It's like, and they were saying, go to, um, you know, it's uh, go to Chinese restaurants, support your community. I was like, okay, my wife is Asian. I'm not, I don't have a problem with Asians. I just, can the news be Wall Street Journal, New York Times? show some uh, some responsibility because they're obviously I'm listening to a pathologist who turned out to be a hundred percent correct saying right. you don't evacuate a city unless it's a pandemic guys it's five eight million people right. so and that's true right. so I just I couldn't see that in the American press and I think right now with the lockdowns people feel that way too about well, the new it, it, well the thing is that like the 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 like there's a, a bunch of different problems that are going on at once but it's like the the with you like you can see that like there is m- very strong moneyed interests that i mean this is like with trump like they like it's come out that trump was like they were trying very hard to push for the interpretation that you know herd immunity will save us right and which isn't true and uh, well, it and, will. You just have to sacrifice three million people. Yeah, just yeah, three to five million people. No big deal. And uh, and that was what was motivated because, like you know, like all these guys have have very you know they have a real interest in like this particular interpretation happening. And I think that that whatever the news item is, whether it's the pandemic or whatever it is, like when you have large political groups or you have large corporations that own you know um, uh, how the news is delivered, like. You can have the most, um, uh, like, the, like the, the the you can have the most truthful, best journalists in the world who have tremendous integrity, but the large system that they're providing content for, uh, if that system doesn't want that information to come out, it it they don't have to like stop that journalist, you know. They just have to change the pitch and the tone of how news is talked about, and things get dialed down because the people that do that really are us. Like we're in control of the flow. We're the baffles, and uh, like if it's not um, if it's not a thing that we click on a lot, it's not going to get forwarded up to the top of Facebook. You know, and they they're the ones who control the uh, the flow on those things. And so I don't think there's like a nefarious scheme to like, we have to stop so and so from printing that whatever. Like, it's gotten to the point well, where you just go herd mentality. Yeah, like, well, there's well, it's part of the, me- the actual algorithm of how it works. And people understand yeah. how to control that algorithm. 
right? And they control it by controlling what they say emotionally about stuff. So it rises to the top or goes to the bottom of the feed. And in terms of like people believing whether something or not is true, it's no longer important to people whether things are actually true. You know, so like we're perfectly happy to vote down stuff that we don't like the sound of, even if it happens to be true. If it scares us, we basically vote it down, which is part of what happened with um, COVID. You know, like we don't want to hear that. So we just don't, we just turn a blind eye to it. And then it doesn't get reported because the reporting yeah. mechanism is Facebook. <laughs> and now, Facebook is not me, a newspaper. Why, why is it that I'm not a pathologist or a medical doctor, but I listened to this guy. I researched him. He was. Oh, I understand. Purdue. And why didn't other people get this information in January? Because, it might have because, because people like people did get that information. Right. But they get it in a context that makes them dismiss it or it frightens them in a way that makes them not forward it. Yeah. Like there's, there's no, like, it isn't like. And it's like, not just the United States, Eric. I mean, this was all over the world. People were doing that right right one guy was a whistle listen there's whistleblowers all over the place right like the whistleblower woman in in florida same thing etc i don't want to get too too political about this because i know it gets we're, no, we're not talking political parties we're just talking no, about this is the all information right. getting out to people 100%. and i right. feel like newspapers the, the times the wall street journal herds they think like herds because they're all thinking we, the same so they all like, run the same line like and i like, think that's dangerous they talk about democracy dies in darkness well Herds are darkness. Sheep go over cliffs. And I, I just, I, I for me, that, I, like, why am I getting information where other, it could have helped other people? Because and I think the, that's my point. Why is this, whatever, the knucklehead, uh, uh, you know, a hunter, and I go to Because, because it doesn't have anything to do with what's true, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter that what you found was true. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it isn't, it, it isn't, uh, oh, you know, the, uh, the New York Times is corrupt. It isn't that. It's, the entire system, including us, uh, is no longer interested in what's true. They're interested in what makes them feel good and what is sellable. Like, that's it. There's nothing else that's yeah. going on. But I think, you know, when you look at the fact, Eric, that I know you, you you like the Hunter Biden story, but if you look at that, the people that are pushing this are Giuliani and the New York Post. So, I mean, right there, the question just, I think my overall, and I, maybe I misspoke, but my overall thing is, and it really goes back to even how... Uh, the press handled, uh, like I just explained, the, the, uh, the, you know, the onslaught of the virus or COVID. It's just like, it just, there is no, it's like everyone's running. They the were also, there was also people that were suppressing information specifically in government, not in the press, in government. Yes, but if some guy on a farm, if a pathologist on a farm says, you know, looks at all the data. That comes yeah, in, I understand that. But again, the government is where we're getting the information. Right. The government the country would benefit more, I think. And it goes back to this. I think one of the things we touched on, I think, in all the president's men was, look, as an independent and I truly am an independent, I'm socially liberal. I'm I am more right wing economically, but not completely. Honestly, I, I'm a little more lefty. But the point is. In order for us to really be better, there, it can't just be Democrat, Republican. And I really feel like the flow I, I would of information. Agree. I totally yeah. agree with you. I, I, agree with I you would rather that. have an over-information. In well, just, this, is, this is the thing, right? This is, it's just, I, it's, it's frustrating that, quickly, I, it's more frustrating. I don't give a shit about Hunter Biden. I, it's just, I give a shit about like the fact that, how about this? I got information that could have saved somebody else, but you know, nobody got it. 
Why is it? Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm working out and I, I hit a YouTube channel with this guy. I'm like, who is this guy? And I literally researched him. Right. I'm like, my God, that's crazy. Right. And so, yes, I'm so paranoid. And yes, I'm a little neurotic. So I dug that rabbit hole. But the, still, the point is, it's like, why isn't that? Why did I not hear it on television until April? Because, uh, because we didn't choose to pay attention to it. That's why. Like, okay. and I'm, I'm, I'm whatever the subject is. I'm not saying specifically Hunter, but I don't know anything about Hunter. Because so, like, like, the, the, on slots, the the the, it, the we the were it, not paying attention to it the same way. Like, yeah, like the like the the it that I'm talking to could be Hunter Biden, could be global warming, could be whatever. I'm, I don't know. Like, it just pick your pick your poison. It doesn't make any difference. Like the the reason why it doesn't get out there is because it gets out there only as a political truth not as a true truth as it but as a political truth so uh the only way to perceive it is through the lens of your own feeling about something rather than whether it has anything to do with fact right and this is that that whether or not i don't like like i said i know zero about hunter biden i can't i'm not gonna make an argument about him i don't know anything about him right like i i I honestly don't really know anything about any any part of that argument whatsoever Right. The uh, the reason why that did not get to me, whether it's true, whether it's false, whatever it is, is because my information feeds are entirely stacked with the the people that publish to me on Facebook. Right. Are people that are uninterested in clicking on that story. So it doesn't get to me. It doesn't even come up in my feed. Right. And if this if it's global warming, same thing. Like my, my right-wing friends who I do have right-wing friends, like they don't get a a bunch, I'll name names. The, uh, but the, but they don't get, uh, Hey, we should be really careful about this global warming articles in their feed. They don't like, they get a lot of like global warming is crazy nonsense. My problem with the news then is that there isn't because I, as you guys know, send you articles that are random. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Because I pull, I like to pull from sources that are left, right, middle, science, cuckoo birds. And I like to kind of I completely get where you're coming. Like you, you deliver interesting stuff to me, Eric. That's, a, this is the truth, yeah. right? And whether or not I, whether or not I agree with you on a particular thing is, is of no particular consequence. I trust that you are an, a person who is interested in, uh, in truth and actual fact, right? Uh, and so I read the stuff you send me, you know, and I consider it. But like, and I don't have any political judgment about it. I just think about it. And, but the problem is that you're one guy. Like that's, an, I don't get all my news from Eric Sheely. I get my, no, I get my I news. That. Right. And so like the, the, the way that, the way that people get their news is from Google, which is an upvote well, system that's, that, that's designed for your likes. Facebook, which is an upvote system, which is designed for your likes. Right. And Twitter, which is an upvote yes. system designed for your likes. There's, there was a friend of mine who, who she's, you know, she's had a conversation with a relative of hers who is much more right wing. And that person was saying, well, remember, they said there was going to be a big surge of cases of coronavirus after Thanksgiving. And that never really happened. I'm like, wait, what? What? It didn't happen? <laughs> what According to this person, because yeah. they got their news from a different source. Yes, this is what I'm talking about. But the like, fact and is, this is, this is not that is, is not, there was a huge surge after Thanksgiving. Yes, and this is this <laughs> is what I mean. It's like it has but nothing. I think also, the problem. Pardon me. I think the problem is that a lot of the people in our country are not. Uh, they're very much like those people in the Pierre Cardin ad. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. A lot of so, low voltage folks so th- out there. This I is understand. this is this is what we agree on. And the thing is, like, I am one of those low pitch folks in certain arenas. Absolutely. Right? 
right? Like, oh, like the fact is that like I'm I am I do not want to blame journalists for this because journalists actually put their lives on the line to get the information that I really do want. I'm right? not, what I what I do what I do blame is us. Like we're in control of this and we keep on voting for it. And then we complain about it. Like the system that we are choosing as people that receive information, like we are the things that are gone wrong. Well, it's the same thing. Like, you know, I had this conversation. There was some information my father-in-law sent me and he's very right wing in some ways. And I actually respect him a lot, but he basically said, he gave me some information. I was like, that's not true. And I sent him, like I sent him a Snopes article and he goes, don't believe anything in Snopes. It's 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 right wing. It's left wing propaganda. Yeah, George Soros Snopes, or something. Snopes that, that 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 fact checks information. Right. Is, yeah. I know. Is is is, is left wing propaganda. I, it's funny. I've actually heard that from from relatives. But you're right earlier too, Dan, about the the, the click. Facts are extremely extremely. There was an article like two days ago. I saw that some uh, congressman somebody died. Mm -hmm. He was young in his forties, and they're like, "Congressman so and so from the South dies of COVID." Forty years. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And so then I was like, "Oh my god!" And then later in the day, I'm going through my news uh, before I finish up the day. I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to read that story." He had a blood clot surgery. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so if you dig into that article, he is recovering from blood clot surgery. Right. So that's like. That's not a, that's not like I have a hangnail and I went to my dermatologist. It's like that's blood clot surgery. That's like a big deal. Oh, it's for, it's very serious, of course. Are you talking and about I the think, guy who died of coronavirus? Yeah, but he died of coronavirus. Yes, but his body due to coronavirus, right? Like, yes, right, like the, 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 the truth of it is blood clot surgery. So the right. blood clot surgery doesn't you can't. It, I mean, that's when your body. No one dies of coronavirus. They die of complications due to coronavirus. Right, it pushes them over. No one dies of AIDS. Right, I know they die of what happens because of they drive a cold. Blood clot right. surgery, Chris. My point is, it doesn't wasn't like he got respiratory problems and he died. When you dig into yeah, it, but that's how we got the that's how we got the blood clot, he would, the blood yeah, clot like, because of the coronavirus. He had was, a, a he if, had a blood clot problem and he had if, surgery. If I may, right, if I may, didn't have enough oxygen to, going to, to his, clarify to clarify. You're not a doctor, Eric. What I'm saying, Chris, I'm not saying I'm a doctor. I'm saying what the article is saying. So by saying that, that's what what I'm saying is is that. It was my understanding that he had surgery for a blood clot, which I actually right. know somebody who had that 30 years ago. Which is very and serious. It's serious. And then right. he, during... during what, would he, what, what are the chances required, that he... So what are the chances he dies with and without coronavirus? The chances go radically upwards if he also has coronavirus, right? Yes, but I'm saying right. it wasn't that's just... What, that's what it means. Yes, but the headline was he dies of COVID. Exactly. And he's so young, but... He had. I saw he died of complications due to coronavirus. Right, but if complications due to coronavirus is too vague a thing to say to sell papers. Hey, it's it's a serious surgery. It's blood clot surgery. I know right. somebody who went through that, and he became a vegetable. Right, of course. So, like, to just so like this is the, this is the thing is that the fact the fact of it is the guy has something very serious going on with him that he has maybe a forty percent chance of dying from, and he gets coronavirus, and then he has a ninety percent chance of dying from it. Right. That's right. That's that's what that's what complications of coronavirus means. Like it right. it, ups, it ups the chances of him dying. So you can basically like say the that line is he's a forty something year old guy who dies from coronavirus. Right. And that's like which which is the which is what I'm talking about. Which is the emotional uh, yeah. decision that's being made 
by the left and by the right, how they phrase what happened. Because there's, there's, there's a thing that they want, there's a story that they want to sell. Either there is no problem with coronavirus, it was actually just blood clots, or there is a problem with coronavirus, so let's not mention the blood clots very much. Yeah. But there's, no, there's very little middle ground where people actually talk about the fact that it is both yeah. things. And the fact that coronavirus is very serious and causes people that would not have died to die is a big problem. Right. And for example, a lot of people aren't talking about all the complications that happen to people after they recover from coronavirus, which is going to be sure. a huge amount of people that are going to be suffering for a long, long time. In their uh, life. They're talking about memory issues, memory heart issues, issues, heart all conditions, all taste, kinds of, losing yeah. all taste but, um, yep. and sense in certain yeah. senses. There's a lot of people who have had their toes and fingers and hands amputated right. because right. of coronavirus. So, so all this stuff. Thing is, and, and, and Eric, you're right. If you look, they actually, was, I saw an article the other day that basically said the amount of cases of people that are dying of coronavirus that are not due to previous medical conditions is, is, is rising, right? So in Los Angeles, specifically, 90% of the people that have died of coronavirus had previous medical conditions, diabetes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's now dropped to 86 so that means, you know, it went from 10% of people that didn't have any previous conditions to 14% of people that didn't have previous conditions. But by the way, this number is gigantic now, right? So uh, in, what is it, yesterday? Why is Los Angeles hit, Dan, do you think so hard? Um, I think, oh, just like everywhere that's been hit really hard, it's like you get... Yesterday like, was 47,000 people in California got coronavirus. Yeah. 328 people died. Today is 46,000 so far, almost 47,000 and 238 people so far have died today. So this is a lot of, this is a lot of cases. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's very dangerous. And the fact that we politicized it is it, what caused this like that well, is what, one, like, one reason that it's caused it and 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 it's i agree with that dan yeah and, and, and it caused it, but it, it made it what it is now yeah. so like so we're, we're, arguing this is, about semantics of the article is not right. going to help us but this is my ultimate i'm not, point. I'm not like saying getting, that but i think i was just to clarify chris and yes i'm not a doctor what i'm saying is is that dan had pointed out earlier that so much of headlines are just about that one Phrase nonsense. Oh, it's reframed did. according and to so what I went back to him. Okay, he had blood clot surgery. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely and right. So, it was like the perfect example is that what Dan said. It's like if somebody just glanced on their phone and said, He's 42 and he died of right. COVID. This oh is along the, same, along the same lines. If you're talking about if you're talking about uh, global warming, like it's the arguments that you get into with people are saying, like, Well, you know, it's 32 degrees in Detroit, they don't see much warming going on here. Right. That's right. That's the well, same stuff. Like I understand that, understand but there is this actual thing that's happening and weather. I've had relatives right. say that to me. Yeah. Right. right. And, and so, like, this is this is why I'm saying, like, I like so much for Al Gore. It's like, well, okay. Yeah, exactly. Come on, guys. And so, like, what, well, like, all of these things are weaponized as click clickbait for. Uh, emotional arguments which have nothing to do with anything real whatsoever and the people that uh use those weapons are not the corporations they are us like it's because we are not interested in listening to other people it's because we are not interested in uh, having communication that gets actual um uh, thoughts across it's because what we are interested in is winning and being right and demonizing the other side 
like that's very yep. satisfying to us. And that is what you know corporations and politicians know this, and, and they, they shape their statements so yeah, that oh, yeah, yeah. They so, do, so this. They do this, yeah. Right. Okay. We got to get into, uh, we got to get into uh, a little bit. I know it's going to get worse, but uh, Dan, I quoted you. It's not worse. This is, no, I no, 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 wait, hold on. Agree on the same stuff. I mean, Dan, Eric, I, Eric, I, Eric, I, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's going to get even more political. Um, really? Yes. Because we have to talk about Phil's, Phil's email. So I forwarded it to you, Eric. Yes, I read it. And uh, if you want to be able to, Address that or talk about it. We have to read the email so that people yeah. know. We can't just jump it. No one else got this context of this email, Eric. So let's right. email, let's read the email first so we have context and then we can all comment on it. And Eric, right. you can comment it as, as as much as you want. But who's gonna read the email? Dan, I just it to you because I can't read. I've got dyslexia on it. It's yeah, that's right. I will uh, grab that right now. One second. Dan, do you have anybody do sign language behind you during this? Uh, I do, but the room is dark. Let's oh, see the. Uh, come on, man. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Uh, this uh, this is from um, uh, uh, our listener, our listener Phil, and uh, he wrote say uh, uh, an email here. Uh, it says, uh, "Chris, Dan, and Eric, I stopped listening at about uh, the hour mark to this episode, the All the Presidents Men episode. Of, no, it was the Idiocracy All the, all the Presidents Men episode, um, because I felt like you all missed an extremely important point, which uh, perhaps you can come back to later." but I'd rather articulate what I mean. Dan makes the point that idiocracy falls flat because it makes fun of every, everyone but the viewer. I think Dan feels this way because he misses the criticism leveled at liberals, as he self-identifies, inherent uh, in the premise of the movie. Please consider that the premise of the movie is itself a critique of liberal ideology. Uh, there is a series of scenes towards the beginning of the movie that depict Trevor and Carol, a well-to-do educated couple, uh, equivocating on the matter of whether uh, to have a child or not until it is ultimately too late for them to do so. On the surface, the helicopter parents to be failing, uh, the helicopter parents to be um, failing to have children and uh, the subsequent so societal collapse can be taken as an endorsement for eugenics. It bothers me that implicit in, in idiocracy's little thought experiments, this uh, idea of social purity impurity, um, but I'll set it aside as an obvious sticking point because I want to get onto the uh, interrogating and uh, get onto interrogating the ideology at play and the contemporary childless people's behavior, which uh, the whole the whole premise of the film hinges on. Given their presentation, an apparent attempt to contrast them uh, with uh, the uneducated working class uh, in Cleveland, uh, it seems fair. Uh, to take the couple uh, to, I'm sorry, to, to, it seems fair to take the couple to represent educated, well-to-do liberal norms in the U.S. What I see inherent in the uh, couple's equivocation is the liberal tendency towards moral uh, relativism in the face of adversity. They can't uh, they can't uh, conscience the idea of having kids, quote, uh, with the way the market is, end quote. They are looking for an excuse to continue to live for themselves and not take action. Uh, they wrap it in the air of uh, learned prudence, um, but they are motivated by uh, a fearful attachment uh, to uh, to the status quo. In both cases, with Trevor and Carol slash Cleavon, oh, we're looking at... Uh, people who are being ruled by their instincts. In one case, it leads to uh, a quiet and comfortable die-off, and in the other, it leads to unplanned children. Uh, either way, people aren't uh, making decisions. Uh, the main uh, differentiating factor in these cases is not captured by any difference of ideology, but by class. Trevor and Carol can afford not to have children, while Cleavon is uh, 
working at survival with children being uh, merely incidental in both cases. Because of this, I read Idiocracy as a broad condemnation of unthinking pragmatism, regardless of who practices it. The movie is, uh, the movie is about uh, illiberal people in the future um, because, and I think this is uh, why the criticism of liberalism uh, so pith is so pithy, the creators consider the liberal side of the genetic pool as a dead end. Uh, there is no future for it. Liberal is just what we call uh, people with money and education. Uh, 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 call it when people with money and education live selfishly and without commitment to greater values for a society. Um, when the poor uh, do this, we call it trashy. So that's my take on idiocracy. Liberalism is the status quo uh, bedfellow of conservatism uh, and uh, offers no suggestion for what the future sh should look like. I think the movie is ultimately urging people to believe and moreover act on something uh, from Phil. And then P.S. while I'm at it, I want to address Dan's uh, use of liberal and leftists interchangeably. The left uh, is a collection of political movements and ideology that view human destiny as uh, transcending hierarchies where liberal uh, in the American context essentially means uh, you're okay with gay people and food stamps. Uh, this is an obscenely low bar for society. Leftists in European countries or India, for example, would consider American liberals to be the right side of the political compass. Oh, uh, so, I absolutely agree on that last statement in terms so, of... So, yeah, I think I think it's a great email. I was really, I, I'm very thankful no, to Phil really, for writing this. It's I great. really appreciate that we get these, these emails and that thought process in there. But Eric, right. okay, what's your thoughts, Eric? Uh, okay, heavy duty. You're starting with me. Um, on this, I do, I felt like, um, I understand uh, what he was saying, and maybe I'm not the person to start off. I'm, I'm more of a banter back and forth, but I feel like I did not take uh, those characters um, in the beginning, the parents who didn't want children. Mm -hmm. I, I, and in the way they were making fun of the other families, I don't, I didn't, I felt that I understood where they were going with it, but I didn't think it was a gag to comment on the whole thing because the rest of the movie kind of, to me, fell apart in terms of the messaging a little bit of what they were touching on. So I didn't, I felt like there's a comment like this based on the first five minutes of the film. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Or maybe right. Dan brought up, I, 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 We'll have to read that again. I, I'm sorry, but I no, just... I get it. I, get it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Eric. I actually... I didn't read deep, that deep into the film. I was a little confused by that because I feel like... I think the filmmakers are... I kind of saw both the parents, the who, people who didn't want children, as in the same light as the other people. And maybe Dan, fill in for me. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I mean, like, I, I, uh, I, I totally get where Phil is coming from in this. And, like, I think that the... Uh, like, and also he brings up only briefly, but like, I, I, I do think that there's like the, this sort of, uh, the way that oh, they pre present the, uh, a good time. say again, you still there? Again? Yeah. Do you mind saying that again? Sorry. You were saying something interesting. What? Oh, oh, sorry. So like, I think that what Phil's got going on here is really interesting. In fact, I think that Phil is talking about making an even better movie than Idiocracy. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think, I never really liked Idiocracy that much. Like, it's making, or occasionally good, but very cloudy. And there's, it it's so, it, so, it's... That's what I was saying. What we talked about the two, the contrast of the two different types of families, the people who didn't have a family, and that that interesting moment, or at least how it was written and portrayed, it kind of fell apart for me, because none of those, it just... 
I didn't really feel like the whole movie was that um, intuitive or at least in, um, intelligently written. I felt yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I think that like if they should have gone into it with uh, like intelligent, right? Um, but like uh, what I'd like to say in support, um, but like I really like that Phil points out. Uh, you know, the sort of like the selfish decision-making of the liberal couple is yeah. like, I, I see what he's saying in this. And I think that is what's really, like, uh, interestingly ironic is that, uh, that liberals, and I'm going to continue to use left and liberals interchangeably. We'll talk about this in a second. Um, but, uh, liberals generally think of themselves as very broad minded, uh, working for the greater good kinds of people. Right. But I agree with you that I said, like I said, like being from, uh, like the, 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 what I perceive to be the very far left myself, like that's what I feel like I run into all the time is that you have people that, uh, pay lip service to the idea of uh, trying to construct a community that is good for everybody. But then what they really want is for it to service themselves solely. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and they say things that are wildly hypocritical um, and they don't even notice that they're hypocritical, you know, and it's very, right. very frustrating to me. And, uh, and uh, I think that, that the, the couple that's drawn in that movie is sort of, indicative of that i wish they would explore it more because the thing that came across for me is more of this sort of like i don't like the idea of and he hits on it with the uh, sort of the, the eugenics thing i'm just like i don't know about the idea of smart people have smart babies and dumb people have dumb babies and i think that like that the movie country club in the uh, northeast because like uh, <laughs> i know i know plenty uh, of smart people whose parents are literally the opposite of right. their political intent, you know? Uh, and, uh, and so these, that kind of, those kinds of generalizations make it really hard to have a serious conversation about what's happening because like there's a baked in good guy, bad guy yeah. viewpoint and us, them viewpoint when actually I think people are, are very like, if, if you were to like my view of what American politics is, um, isn't so much that it's, uh, it leans right wing or anything like this is that I think that um, that we are all basically agree on everything except for the very, very surface stuff. That's really sexy to argue about. And that's what like uh, takes up most of our news, news feeds and all of our political arguments. And nobody actually spends the time to think about whether or not anything they're saying makes sense or whether, it, or whether anybody else has a similar point from a different point of view. And uh, I think that if Idiocracy were to bite into that a little harder, it would be a better movie. It's, but it's, it, it gets away with a lot of, it gets away with a lot of surface gags. And like, I would say like, if I were from the Midwest and the, like the, or from the South, and I watched Idiocracy, which spends almost all of its time making fun of people with, like with Southern accents or Midwestern accents, and people like beer drinking you know, it's like, I'd be a little pissed off and I wouldn't want to hear whatever else it has to say. And I think that's a little clumsy, you know? And like, likewise, like, I mean, if you're, if like, I mean, I, you know, I'd love to see uh, a little more time in that movie spent on, you know, uh, making uh, light of uh, liberal hypocrisy because I, it, it's more important to to discover yourself what your hypo, what your own hypocrisies are 
And this relates to rollerball in that, like the best way to evoke that is to have it occur to the audience, you know, where you go, Oh fuck, I'm wrong. Speaking or the thing, it, Dan, about the, the in <clears throat> my take on, you know, I know he pinpoints that and his letter is really well-written. Right. I just, my interpretation from that, the couple that didn't want kids, I, I actually had this a family member who's no longer with us, um, passed way too young, um, committed that their life to working for a company and, and corporation and rising. She rose very high in the ranks um, than having children. Right. And then regretted it when it was too late. Right. And, um, but they bought into the corporate structure didn't really think I see them as, you know, left, right, so forth. I just saw it as somebody bought in, which is like what we saw in rollerball, this corporate thing where, you know, yeah, like it's, it's a, they're playing for self-defined team, right? by working in a corporation. Right. Like the, this, that couple is playing for a particular team. And I think this is where, what he brings up, and I think is really accurate, that calls itself the left. Right. Uh, and we all need to, uh, a bunch of ideals and m sort of monikers of being leftist, right? Uh, or liberal, whatever. Like, these things are the, the dissection of those two. They, um, that this is a, a, a bunch of team descriptors. Nobody, well, I'm not going to say oh, nobody, but very little time is spent by any one person who says they believe these things uh, on why they believe them. Like, they uh, they are believing it because that's what their team believes and that's what we're supporting, right? And the same is true for the right and for, say, the you know, Trump supporters. Like, you can see it clear as day. Trump supporters were able to hold the most ridiculously contradictory ideas in their heads simultaneously over every single subject that happened with Trump. Everything. And they had no problem with that. And they're still protesting on the street. Exactly. And, and like, we, we look at, we look at that, like we meaning the left, look at that and go like, look at those morons. Right. But what I'm saying is that like, I agree that like, it's sad to see people do that. But what blows my mind is that we also do this and we don't see it. We did know? it last Passive so, rallies. <laughs> yeah. Like this, this is like, like Fuck. we are, no, but, but but we don't we don't we don't have like we like we all agree. I mean, I agree that like you know for the for the, I mean, I am I'm on the left. I mean, I I I believe in all this stuff. I you know like, but I'm all I'm not criticizing the truth of what we believe. You know, I'm criticizing the practice of how we have a dis discourse about it. Like when when you don't think about why you believe something, you tend to believe that anyone who doesn't agree with you must be an idiot, and that I don't like. I think why someone believes something and why you believe something like you're going to see a lot more common ground over what you believe. That's right. And, and then it's going to work better. And so like they, we are, we have been so uh, brilliantly manipulated into taking tribal sides that it's yep. all become quite useless. And so like the, the failure of idiocracy to me is that I totally see what Phil is saying here. At least I feel that I do. And I think it's a really great point to make. It's unfortunate that you have to be as smart as Phil to see it. You know, like you should be able to wa watch this movie and get it. Like you should be able to, you should be able to see this right off the bat and feel it 
as a realization. Uh, that would be really deft filmmaking. Instead, it's a bunch of colored, clumsy, mean-spirited jokes, which maybe if I'm on the, I mean, I'm on the side of most of these jokes, so I think they're funny, but it is at the expense of somebody else, and it doesn't really do anything about it until the end of the movie. And I think that that's, uh, that's poor filmmaking. So that's why, that's why that movie becomes a pro- an issue for me. Like, I do think it's funny. Of course I think it's funny. Just like when I'm joking with my friends about fucking Trump like supporters. Filmmaking now than it did before, though. I think it doesn't yeah. age well. That's, yeah. It does. Yeah. I, right. I, so, I, I'm so, so tired of this happening in, on Facebook every day that to see it again in a movie, I was like, enough. Jesus Christ. Somebody talk to each other. Right. You know, that's my problem. Like, listen, I, I, I agree. I really like reading Phil's interpretation. Do you think that he took the first five minutes in the film and made it much bigger than it was? But there is definitely points in there that it has. Nonetheless, I want to make this very important point about it. I love the fact that Phil loved this movie. Oh, you love the that. fact one hundred percent sees this movie and it's a great film, and you missed the point because this is the point based on the way he sees it, and he's yeah. absolutely right to do that, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I never I basically like... said the Mandalorian is poor filmmaking. <laughs> Right. right, and that Mandalor- the writing in the Mandalorian is basically, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, uh, it's the A team in space, right. and then everyone out there is like, you don't get it. Well, I enjoyed it either way, or right. like, right. have you seen this uh, part of Star Wars? Because I think you're missing the point. And I said, you know what? First of all, no, and it doesn't matter to me that I've not seen those things or I didn't get ever. And part of me is like, why, why, why should I basically try? I, I and I, I mean, this podcast is us being able to do our thing. So in this zone for us to have the critique of what we want to talk about or what we want to say, that's, I mean, at least I'm seeing it myself. But for me to go on Facebook and to make a stupid statement like bad writing, be it be it true or not true, that's just me putting down people and their thoughts and oh, their ideas. Exactly. Well, that. I mean, and and I would never like I never want anything like, to come across. Right there. That's a strapenis move. That's all he does. On <laughs> God bless Strapenis. But yeah, like this is like I, I don't want anything I'm saying, uh, Phil. I know you're listening. Like I don't want anything I'm saying to come across as like you know, like I'm trying to talk you down on this thing. Like I love that you love this movie and you t- yeah. totally brought to light stuff that I didn't see in this movie. And and I, like I never. I, I, never ever want to take people's love of something away that is totally the opposite of what i would ever want to do like i'm psyched when people like things that i don't like i want to hear why they like them you know and i think that like what you've done here is awaken that i mean the next time i see it i'm i'm going to see it much more from your point of view yeah. you know <laughs> but uh make episode for that on the, the, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah and the thing is i mean like i'm 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 it what it what and also what the letter's done is sort of helped me clarify what upset me I don't think I was very clear about before, you know? And so like I, that, that gives me tools to when I want to talk about it better and probably to enjoy it more. Like that's super useful to me just as someone who wants to fucking enjoy movies, which is all I want to do, you know? But I think that this is a, like, I think that what he's saying just generally about like the perception of, you know, when we talk about the left and the right in America that way, no, no, we're, I, we're, we're, we're all the way to the right anyway. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. 100 percent so we're already all the way to the right and everyone else we're sitting here arguing about centimeters eaters away to the left yeah exactly (laughs) like like, and we're using inches to do it (laughs) right we're using inches to do it not realizing what we're talking about exactly 
<laughs> but like that's the that's the thing, dude. It's like when I say that I'm when I'm when I say that I'm uh, or if I say that I'm liberal or any of that stuff, like I'm very I'm very very socially liberal in every way that you could probably list. Um, I am uh, I'm actually like uh, like I have things. This is how confused my brain is. But I'm just gonna say it out loud. Like I want to see things like um, a universal all school should be paid for through taxes, like everything, all of it. Uh, I don't think that anybody should have to pay to go to school. I think that's completely economically idiotic to me, right? Um, Because the one thing we know that makes a lot of money uh, for our capitalist democracy is people being educated. Like the more educated you are, the more money you make. And we're going to need that more as we move into going to have nothing to do right and so like that's why i that's why i lean that direction i think that uh, most of my opinions past that point i mean things like you know like for instance and here i'm going to say some con- super controversial stuff right like uh i am i am uh uh pro-choice right and i believe and i uh, i completely agree with the argument put forward to uh not have the government be invasive into any body, let alone a pregnant woman's body, but anyone's body. Now, when I say that out loud, that sounds to me like that should be a conservative argument or a libertarian one, at least. Well, it was. Like, right? <laughs> it was. Uh, influence, or at least we should think about what influences it does have over our body. It does have a lot of influence in indirect ways all over the place. Generally, a very positive thing even in the hardest of times, it is a new life and that it's a life. You should think hard about what you're doing when you terminate that life. That doesn't mean that I'm super religious. It doesn't mean that I am a crazy Trump supporter. It just means I think it's valuable to think about that when you're making your call. Like, I think that you should think about that because we don't know what consciousness is and we don't know if we're causing something to suffer. I think those are totally legitimate concerns that are brought up by the right all the time. Like, and the fact that we dismiss it is uh, not good for us. Like we should, it's a hard thing to think about. And if you come to the decision that it's better for people to not have, like for the government to not have an invasive right into a woman's body, which is what I think, right. Then you should definitely think about like, have a trail of breadcrumbs that led you there. And so, like, because well, I, okay, I, str- well, I strongly, well, strongly believe in that, but I don't want to ever go to the wall. Talk about the, 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 the you know, the specific uh, contradictory roles that, that, the, that, the, that the, 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 the conservatives have somehow adopted. That all comes from the Southern strategy. And you can go into that whole yeah. thing actually uh, make them not actually succeed on their own welfare. And basically took a position so that they would, or gun control, all of those things. So that it's like, okay, these are all things that the Southern people care about. They go against, <laughs> they go against our own ideas, but we're going to say we support them just to get their vote. That way we can convince people to vote for things that goes against their, their better well-being. That was the reason behind it. But and there's a really great thing. Just read up on the Southern strategy. Now, the, the, uh, on a technical thing, guys, I'm a little concerned about our bandwidth being so sketchy as it is right now. I know mm-hmm. people are, so I'm wondering if we should 
how how much longer we should go on this subject, as well as the fact that uh, you know it's getting fairly fairly deep talk about it. But uh, I, I do want to say, listen, guys, if you guys have some strong opinions about what we're saying, or you guys would rather we stay away from certain political issues, uh, let us know. Uh, we would. Yeah, oh, man, obviously, we'll just keep on ranting. We, if we, we can keep on ranting on stuff. I do podcast us to sort of speak our minds and say certain things more more specifically about films right like i actually really regret having said what i did about the mandalorian on facebook i may even consider deleting that then parliament wants to put it up there just to remind me not to do that shit again right. because here is where i feel like i can say my opinion here's where i can say i don't think titanic is a good film right i don't just get there and put it <laughs> in all full text on 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 facebook and say titanic sucks and if you don't wrong or if right. you like wrong right and so that's that's really kind of able to, to to respond to it in some way would be would be beneficial uh, i love muse man for saying i am for universal soldier 100 <laughs> percent. that brings yep. us back on track <laughs> yep and then there was another request by herbston uh herbstron uh uh which is that is that ron herbst yeah it probably is uh uh he is requesting that that you tilt your camera down so people can see your drawing while you are talking. I don't know if that's possible for you. Okay, that's a great idea. We need the uh, the the live cam in the fourth window. He's doing doodles. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, stuff like that. Can you but, see? But it probably is Ron Herbs. Says, says Ron Herbs. Yeah. <laughs> But I, first, but, um, <laughs> I saw it. Okay. Um, so I'm not always yes, but I, I'm a nervous person, so I find drawing helps my nervousness. Yeah, it's so beautiful, dude. It's great. It's really yeah. Great. Yeah, I, I, I hear. I, I actually, honestly speaking, I would love to be tying flies while we're talking, uh, but my family kicks me out of because my. Uh, no, head it's like oh he, wait here's my point you know, that's a, a very common thing for people with add is to able to to it's it you need to occupy the distracted part of your brain because it'll confuse you otherwise absolutely yeah that's a hundred percent that's interesting yeah chris thank you yeah it's, it's um uh, well that's the whole point of meditation sometimes is you need to, uh you need to distract your monkey brain yep. is what they call it yep. So, so you can do that. And they give that to kids sometimes like to help with ADD is they put them on yoga balls and allow them to jump up and down <laughs> yeah, exactly. so that they bounce. And that's, that's enough to sort of distract them from. Well, this is the, on. and Dave 3D will back me up on this one. It's like to get any writing done at all. I need to have like very, a very long track of very repetitive music playing. Like that's what puts me in the zone to, to write. Yeah. And uh, cause it, it, it takes away all of my self-criticism. It occupies that part of my brain with humming. <laughs> and, yeah. Speaking, it's just when I'm writing. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, I, I do. Uh, I'm a Bitches Brew fan. I put that on quite a bit. Bitches Brew. Yeah. But the, uh, but yeah, no, I think that like, this is uh, like, I, I, you know, RE your uh, post on Facebook about um, Mandalorian. Like, I think you should leave it up there because the conversation that followed out of that is also in that post. And that's what makes it interesting. You know? That's part of what I need to yeah. yeah. And I think that that's the, like, I think that, like, all this stuff that we're talking about, like, any of this, like, you know, like, hardcore sounding statements that any of us say, say, or that I just said, you know, like, 
I want to be the person who is open to talking about that statement, not the one who is building a wall around it. You know, if you know, we see with, you know, uh, news, there's an evil force that's specifically. Yeah, it's, I think if people also can sometimes be like sheep and there's a, there's a lot of to, course I can be like about. sheep. Yeah. I mean, if you try to, you know, really uh, be open to what other people uh, have to say. It sounds really crunchy. I'm not trying to sound crunchy, but uh, I was blessed enough to travel a lot, sometimes by myself as a as kid and teen and, and live over abroad. So I, I love to be able to just talk to people and, you know, there's always somebody else's opinion and view and there's, you're always, you're not always right. Right. And you always have time to grow. So, yeah, exactly, dude. Like, a, like at very least, uh, other people will give you tools to think about what you believe. Let's use the, the same Groucho Marx line so long. That's my opinion. Uh, if you don't like it, I. That's that's what hey. I love about Rollerball, right? Is that I it set me on a real challenge. Like at the watching that movie, it gets to the end. I'm like, wait, what do I think about this? And that's that's the good stuff. That's what you want. Nice. I personally just I thought it was so. It, Luggage for the man, the world traveler and horseman, right? <laughs> and you just salute to the guy, and the helicopter takes off, and you got the hot babe by the pool when he walks to her. Got it. I think that's it, dude. That's it. Do it. I'll get it because I could definitely All put right. the little close-ups of like the soap on the rope and stuff. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> Love it. Super huge. Super He's huge. <laughs> we're we're gonna, gonna have the special edition rollerball soap on a rope. <laughs> okay, we're, we're, we are. Let's try to wrap it up. But if you guys have any suggestions, remember you can always email us just Phil did or criticisms just as Phil did. Remember, it's podcast at martinigiant.com. Uh, that is our email, and that's where you can let us know about what's going on. Absolutely. Uh, we'd love to there. I'm probably breaking up. You're probably only getting about one third of the words that are coming out of my I mouth. Had a, I did, but nonetheless, Chris. What's that, Eric? I just want, if I can just talk for 20 minutes, I have, I just want to express <laughs> to Dan. And Dan, if you, we've talked, no, what I was saying is that maybe I was thinking that I do some of the imagery prior to the podcast. Yes, yes, yes. I jammed those things out in like 20 minutes, but I was like, man, I should do some of these prior. Yes. That way. Okay, let's talk about that off the air because we need to, to get oh, into a full meeting right now. Oh. <laughs> I want everybody no, to know. No. I think so. No, we'll have an <laughs> Yes, we should basically announce what we yeah. should be announcing what we're going to be talking about a few days before and the images you for that. So, yes. <laughs> 100%. Dan, Dan was good? Oh, yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Did you yeah. guys see the servant? No, uh, no, not yet. Hang on, well, guys. We got to wrap it up. There's too much. There's too much uh, lag, and people are too much pop So we have to. We have to. We can't get down this rabbit hole yet. But yes, oh, the servant is coming out on 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 Wednesday. So let's let's wrap it up and 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 deal with uh, so we can. Get, okay. okay. Thank you. Right. Drink. Talk. Drink. 